Executive Podcast IMAs. This is RB3. And this is the podcast where we talk about your favorite directors and the deeper meaning within their films. And yeah. welcome to our new channel, yeah. First Cut. Yo, this is that? the channel where you're going to find not only the meaning of podcasts, but more content for me and Robert. Yeah. Uh, we are bringing you new videos, new ideas, new beginnings, all in 2019, 2019. right here in First Cut. So if you haven't already, please subscribe and yeah. support the homies. Hashtag support the homies. Hashtag man. support the homies. Support First Cut. And also the SoundCloud as well. We're on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. So SoundCloud listeners. Uh, we already have something like 100 uh, plays in there. We haven't really, really promoted it. Yeah. That's uh, great, man. I had the little hashtags at, on, on a lot of episodes. So yeah. like the Harry Potter episode has like hashtag Harry Potter, hashtag Harry Potter ah. books, hashtag, you know what I mean? So I think it, some random, you know, strays are like, but, you know, we have 66 episodes, so it's like one play per episode. But sure. Sure, we're, we're getting it. We're, That's we're awesome. Back. 2019, man, it's our year. Yeah. We're doing it big. We're doing it new. First cut. Yeah. First cut. First cut of the channel. Uh, and, of, of, of course, we have to welcome the Collider Factory audience. Oh, that's right. Uh, we're to, on Collider Factory. Yeah, we're on Collider Factory for the first time uh, ever. Um, so thank you guys for uh, – hopefully a lot of you guys came from the Schmoes No. Uh, iTunes feed. A lot of our fans were originally on there. I know making the transition is hard, but a lot of our Shmo's fans are fans of Collider. And if you're just fans of this podcast, I hope you listen to the Adam McKay episode and know to come over. <laughs> or if you're a new listener, welcome. If you're a new listener, yes, welcome. Welcome uh, to our top 10 of 2018. This yeah. is going to be a fun list i uh i've been doing this uh we, i used to do this with uh the wangers and jte yeah we, and yeah. then with you mm-hmm. and now it's just you and me doing the top 10 list but uh every year it's always a lot of fun they, yeah we split yeah there was a there's a lot of divide yeah uh, we i the, my first year i was the intern with, with with the schmoes we did we all did it together that's right um the year two just like all fizzled away we all fizzled away man <laughs> we're all on our own vibe riding our own waves yeah 2019, we're going to be talking about the years of 2018, our top 10 list of 2018. Mm. Now, 2018 was definitely an interesting year for movies, to say the least. I would say when it comes to certain award-type movies, I was somewhat disappointed as far as what 2018 brought. Obviously, we're going to get more into it when we talk about our favorites of the year. Um, But once again, guys, we're going to be going down our our top 10 of the year. So if some of your favorite movies of the year are not on on this list, or if some of your favorite movies that you feel should be on our list is not on the list it's okay you can still join in on the conversation let us know what is your favorite let us know what you think of our list Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the exact same everything is fine and joyful in 2019 let's bring the peace and positivity but either way we're still gonna get into it as far as what our favorites are as far as we what we consider to be quality films and what we consider to be our most impactful top 10 movies of 2018 yeah Every year, it's a lot of fun, RB3. What do you think of the year in total? The year in review? I mean, yeah. honestly, bro, like, I'm not going to lie. The, the, a lot of the big movies mm-hmm. didn't really do it for me. And a lot of the smaller movies didn't really do it for me either. And, yeah. you know, I, I feel like a lot of times it's easier to say, like, oh, this is the most disappointing year. This is the most disappointing year. But I think this was genuinely the year that I didn't have, like, a one standout movie. You know mm. what I mean? Like, usually there's... Usually in a year, most of the time, I'll have that one movie that's just like, that's it. That's the number one 
Like, that's just locked in place, you know? And sometimes it'll happen as early as, you know, uh, for me last year, it was as early as January with Dunkirk. That was, like, as soon as I saw that movie, I'm like... That came out in January? Not January, I'm sorry, July. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, another month that starts with a J. Um, but July, when it came out in July, halfway through the year, I was like, okay, that's number one. Sure. And everything else is competing with that, you know? With this year, I literally had just 10 movies that I was like, okay, these are what I'd consider the 10 best. I don't really know where to put them because... yeah. There's just they're all kind of they're all good to 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 their own standard, but and and to me it's like yeah I wish there was a little there was there was you know we didn't get that like standout like mm. unique like you know we didn't get like a Charlie Kaufman film or we didn't get like a you know something like weird or different everything like all of the movies kind of felt. You know, I guess there there were weird and different movies. Sure. Maybe I just didn't catch them. Yeah, um, you mean you mean like an indie movie that had like a crazy perspective. yeah, this had, had had had, and I think you know some of the movies that I'm recognizing, I think do, and there are plenty of movies that I haven't seen that are probably super unique and super uh, weird and interesting. But I feel like the time period that we are in now, like historically, just in America and in, in American cinema, all these film, like all, a lot of films, have to feel like very very stressful that you know the the film mm. the the film landscape in general i feel like the film landscape the stories that are being told in 2018 are a lot more stressful a lot more intense than i feel like a lot of movies that we've seen in previous years so it's it's a different kind of energy i feel like just in this whole year in general you know and i think i'm, I'm saying that and it's not making a lot of sense now but when i start talking about the movies that i have picked like it'll all make sense to exactly what i mean like these movies are all very much about something per- very prevalent. You know what I mean? Interesting. So, but I just feel like that's what the overall thing is. Whereas I feel like in previous years, like we had the we had the La La Land versus the Moonlight. Like we had the mm. super bright and optimistic film versus the realistic thing. You know, even last year we had Shape of Water, which was a little lighter, um, versus uh, uh, what was the big other film last year? Um, Get Out. Get Out. Yeah, which was a more serious kind of thing. But again, both both. You know, they both in, encapsulated what the times were, and I sure. feel like we're headed towards a time that we're, our films are going to get a lot more stressful and a lot more, I guess, relevant okay. <laughs> to say the least. For sure, man. Yeah. I'm excited to hear your list. I mean, every year we we always have interesting opinions to say the least. Yeah, and I, see, this is also like I also have a tough time with doing these lists because yeah. it's like, like. I haven't seen all of the movies in 2018, so it's hard for sure. me to say, like, I've seen these are the definitive sure. 10 movies that are the top of 2018, you yeah. know? Um, and I always have a hard time with grappling with that because, it's like, I know I know for a fact it happens every single year. I put out a top 10 list, and then I'll see another movie, like, in August of, like, 2019 that came out in 20, 2018 that was just amazing and blows my mind. I'm like, damn, that if I would have saw that earlier, it would have been on the list, sure. you know? Um and it's I like I recently Seth Rogen had this tweet where he said like the Oscars should wait five years before they hand the Best Picture award to somebody, and it was kind of a joke, but I kind of think that's like kind of a good idea almost, you know, because like yeah. it really gives a film time to like really sit in people's minds and really resonate in the, in, in that kind of way. So sure, um, please tell me you at least have a top ten list. I do, have a, I do have a top ten list. <laughs> do you yeah. have honorable mentions? Because let's start with mentions. that. Let's yeah. start with your honorable mentions. Arbitrary. Honorable mentions. I have a. These fa- are the movies that almost made your list, but. Didn't quite make it. Yeah, I have a fat fat pile of of, of fat pile of, of honorable mentions. Uh, yeah, I got to go. Uh, uh, Tully was was an early one I saw in the year that was really great. Charlie Theron ending was kind of stupid, but 
really great acting and, and Jason Reitman, you know, direction. Uh, Sorry to Bother You was was also an, a, a very good honorable mention for me. Boost Riley, Ponda Clinic. We saw uh, that together. We did see that together. Yeah. 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 Uh, First Man, Ryan Gosling. Great job. Uh, Damien Giselle. Uh, I know you weren't too keen on it. A lot of people really weren't too keen on it. I didn't um, think it was bad. I just mm, thought it was okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay. I thought it was. I thought it was well done, and um, you know, much respect to to Damien Giselle for breaking out of the musical genre. You know, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, Instant Family, Instant Family uh, with Mark Wahlberg. What are, you, what are you shaking your head for, man? I, I just, I, I can't, man. I can't. Bro. I can't get into that. Tra- Every time I see that trailer, I'm like, how is this good? <laughs> okay, like you think that? Yeah. Then you watch this movie, man. That's what people keep saying. Yeah. That's what I said about Searching. Yeah. I was like, I'm not gonna watch that movie, and then I was like, fine, I'll watch it. Yeah. Um, just because I was like a laptop movie. That yeah. sounds stupid. <laughs> yeah. Modern Family already did that before yeah. that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I actually haven't seen Searching. So um, I also have a whole list of movies that I haven't seen that could, pr- you know, probably oh, go. make this list. Let too. us know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Instant Family also honorable mention. Vice is honorable mention. Uh, Three Identical Strangers, one of the best documentaries of the year. Um, I also missed it. And oh man, if there was a number eleven spot, this one I really grappled with with, with not getting on the list, man. This one was real tough to leave off. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Mission Impossible Dang, Fallout was, was didn't it was make right your top there. ten. It was almost Yo, there, man. It was almost there. That's controversial yeah. off the bat. That RB3. was almost there. It was almost that top there. ten better be fire, man. It was almost there. Um, uh, but yeah, there's a bunch of movies that I haven't seen yet that like probably would make the list if I seen them. Um, Won't you be my neighbor? Another documentary. Uh, uh, RB R, RGB. You know about Ruth Gator. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Where, yeah, there, that, that, there we yeah. go. Um, Shoplifters, I, I, w- I really wanted to see. Um, Burning, I also wanted to see uh, the foreign cinema. I'm not I giving as much respect. I want to see Burning so bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, Leave No Trace, I, I also, I, I started watching that on, on Amazon, but I didn't get a chance to finish it. Mid-90s, I didn't watch either. Respect to Jonah Hill, but uh, did you see Mid-90s? I didn't. Oh, okay, okay. I just, mm, I'm good. <laughs> right, 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 right. I liked him because he, he went on all, like, the complex shows and, like, sneaker shopping. Oh, that's shopping. right. Yeah. That's <laughs> he, right. He, he put on the black accent for, like, for like the, he did the Tarantino thing where he started acting black and black <laughs> on black shows. Uh, like, yeah, man, I love hip-hop. This has been my entire life. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, those are my honorable mentions, and those are movies that I haven't seen. Copy. But, yeah. Good what, deal, man. Yeah. yeah, honorable mentions for me. Uh, again, sorry to bother you. Sorry that's to bother a, you. Oh, a, okay. I, I thought for sure that would make your list. You know what's funny, man? I, yeah. I, I told you, I told you mm-hmm. after we saw the movie together, I said half – the first half of this movie is like my favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. That twist, which I guess I won't <laughs> horse, a lot. Oh, a lot of people yeah. haven't seen it, but you already kind of spo- spoiled it. <laughs> but I mean, if you haven't seen it, come on now, you're yeah. kind of late. But that twist, so it just it, it it just took me out. It took, <laughs> it, immediately, I was like, "This is my favorite movie of the year. This is mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. This is like the editing. It's funny. It's like political. Mm-hmm. It's in your face. It's so different. It's new. It's fresh." And then I was like, Ugh, "What is that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is this? I don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, I get it, but it's it's too much. It's mm-hmm. too much for me." Almost made my top ten though. I can't lie. Like I still almost put it in my top ten just because there's not mm. a lot of other movies. Right. Um, I loved Upgrade. I think Upgrade oh, is Upgrade a really is good yeah. sci-fi, low budget action, I, good action. action, action movie. A super cool shot movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some of the best action scenes, and it's so low budget. I love how yeah. low budget cyberpunk it is. Yeah. It's one, compared to something like Twenty Forty Nine, which costs like two hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. You see, Way better than 2049. I don't know about that, but you <laughs> see the the difference between like a $200 million cyberpunk movie and like a $16 million cyberpunk movie. And I, I, I think the creativity 
that Lee is it Lee Winnell? Lee Lee, yeah. Lee Winnell? Uh, James Wan uh, sorry, collaborator. Yeah, the the creativity that he used with a low budget is just something that should be commended, and mm. he should be given even more movies in right. the future because right. that to me was an impressive movie, um, to say the least. Uh, and I can't lie, man. Uh, I saw Won't You Be My Neighbor. It's a great yeah. one. It almost made my top I ten. Made it. Yeah, it's difficult for documentaries to make my top ten. Yeah. Uh, and I can't lie, I almost put Aquaman in my top ten. Aquaman. All right, I well, almost well, put we Aquaman in my top ten. We haven't even started, man. We haven't even talked about. Aquaman. We haven't talked about Aquaman at but all. I loved Aquaman. I thought yeah. it was sick. Okay. I thought it was such a dope, fun. Obviously, it's not like a serious Dark Knight. It's not. It's a yeah. super big, over the top superhero movie, and yeah. I think it's done. The best that it's been done in a while. Yeah. Compared to other fun superhero movies that people like a lot and that I don't get why people like. I, Venom? I, Venom is an example because <laughs> I, I, I don't get it. I was talking to my homie over the weekend. How can you like Venom but not like Aquaman? Because <laughs> Venom is like, it's silly, dumb fun. And I'm like, it's just dumb. Whereas Aquaman is like, that's fun. That to me was like a ride where everything was like a visual spectacle. Yeah. The, like you take it in with your eyes and the story is kind of just a super the by the numbers. Yeah. It's so it's it's overdone, it's overplayed, but it's just it's done to be entertaining, and that's what I felt with Aquaman. And that's yeah. why I almost made my top ten. Oh, that's fun. that's funny, man. Yeah. That's dope, man. Yeah. I mean, I again like I like I like I actually liked Aquaman. I didn't say it on this podcast, but uh, yeah, I think it's just the, the weirdness of it is definitely worth commending. Like, mm. in terms of like weird blockbusters, that's the closest. You know, there's always that every year we have like the Valerian or the one like really off kilter yeah. uh, sci-fi movie. Leave it to James um, Wan to do it, man. Yeah, and it was a DC movie too, so it was it was a nice combination of that. Yeah. Um, now so let's yeah. get to uh, our top ten list, starting with. Number 10, I will start with you, RB3, on your number 10. My number 10. Mr. RB3. Um, yeah, my number 10 starts with a lot of people's number ones, man, honestly. Uh, and I listened to the Wanger show, and almost all these guys had had their had this at their number one. Uh, that's Hereditary. Um, Hereditary. You finally saw it. I finally saw it. I've been it. telling you for months to see this movie, man. Yeah, yeah. You must finally the saw courage. it. Must have the courage. It got, when it became free on Amazon Prime, yep. I was like, all right, like, yeah. No more excuses, you know? Uh, so I, I sat there, waited to the darkest of nights, 2, 2 a.m. in the morning, uh, to really, really, really enjoy really see what this is all about. Didn't watch it on the TV, though, because I knew it was going to be, like, way too scary for that. Made sure I got a nice laptop uh, <laughs> to to really tamper th- down That's the scares. perfect, dude. That's um, perfect. Yeah, it was, it was great, man. I think for horror movies, it's really challenging to make a genuinely good story along with uh, setting that kind of atmosphere, mm. um, along with having uh, a mythology as well. Like this movie has a very clear mythology that it's adapting with, like the paganism and all that stuff. Yeah, the um, demon shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't you don't mess with that demon shit, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole the whole time I was watching that movie. That's what I kept repeating. Yeah, I was like those don't, candles and all that shit. Don't, yeah. don't go. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing? Don't like, write those symbols. If you yeah. see them symbols, you run away. <laughs> yeah, read some like Latin language yeah, and shit. Like, that's, you know, when you, that's when you back doing? off. Yeah, You're yeah, like, I'm chilling on that. I ain't messing with no demons. Nah, hell nah. Uh, so that so and so all of that was great, but it's also horror from like the psychological standpoint mm. too, right? Like that's why I love. The movie The Babadook, that's one of my favorite horror movies because that movie is all... And same thing with The Shining. Those movies are all about the internalized horror, like, from inside, the mentally disturbed, externalizing itself unto 
um, and in both in all of these cases, children, right? Um, and I and I think that's what makes it even more horrifying. So, yeah, Ari um, Aster, man, is is a director to look out for. The fact well, that that's his first feature. That's his first feature film, man. I mean, that that's when you know this guy has talent. Yeah. I mean, I, I was thinking about it uh, the other the other day because I was talking to my friends about one of the what are the best shot movies of the year mm. as far as cinematography. To me, that one's up there. All I mean, right, consi- so definitely. Yeah. Considering it's got such a low budget and it's not like this massive like. Two hundred million dollar like Blade Runner twenty forty nine type crazy shot movie. Yeah. It's just a small low budget horror movie, and it's one of the best shot movies of the year. Just thinking, just thinking about creating atmosphere, like you just said. Mm-hmm. That's like the most important thing in a horror movie, mm-hmm. and he did that like right at the first scene where you yeah. when you go the miniaturized. Yeah, into the house. Yeah, into the house. Yeah, you're I, like man, this I is even, cool. yeah. That's even when I saw that, I was like, damn, this is the first. Even just from the opening shot, I was like, mm-hmm. this is a first time director. Like, yeah, that's crazy. He's uh, got talent, man. Yeah, yeah. So very, very well done on that front. Speaking of first time directors, okay. my number ten is from a first time director as well, and it's someone that I actually have been following a little bit, mm-hmm. um, just because we did some stuff with him with my company, and that is Mr. Carlos Lopez Estrada, mm-hmm. who did a little film called Blind Spotting. Oh, okay. An okay. Oakland film. Uh, this film for me um, had to balance a lot of things, but it's 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 basically the heart of David Diggs and Rafael Casal, um, two homies from Hamilton, I believe. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, and yeah, and right. they wanted to do a movie about uh, gentrification of Oakland and basically how these new uh, tech companies coming into Oakland and kind of dividing up. Now this new rich area and kind of tearing down the older, poorer neighborhoods, literally the definition of gentrification, which has been yeah. in the news quite a bit over this year. Yeah. Um, and this film to me, man, it, it it's a really, really fantastic feature film debut because this is his first feature film. Mm. It combines comedy with some serious notions. It's creative. It's different. It's it's got this outside world kind of reality, but still some, somewhat grounded in reality as well. It's really relevant as far as obviously taking over of the of the neighborhoods and all that stuff, but also relevant when it comes to uh, p- political ideology and when it comes to uh, identity between uh, whites and blacks within the same neighborhood too. I mean, to me, the standout in this movie is still Rafael Casal as Miles. Mm. That to me, that guy was just. I, I truly believed. I don't know if you've seen Blind Spotting. I haven't seen it now. I truly believed. It's basically two two homies. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've heard a little bit about it, but yeah. it's basically two homies, David Diggs and, and, and Rafael Cassell, mm-hmm. one white guy and one black guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they both grew up in the same neighborhood. But it's basically the white guy who grew up in the black neighborhood, right? Yeah. So he's like very much like that. He's mm-hmm. super like... You can tell this guy grew up with a lot of black homies, right. uh, and he sells it. He mm-hmm. sells it 100%. And in real life, he's just this goofy white guy. But in the movie, I believe that he was a thug, like a yeah. real big white thug guy who could beat the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and him convincing me that of that and him still being funny but also being somewhat intimidating as well, mm-hmm. fantastic debut for him as an actor. Obviously, he's done other stuff before. But he really stole the movie for me. And obviously, like I said before, the movie is part part musical, part like in reality, part art side of reality, part comedy, part drama. It's really a combination of quite a lot of things. Mm. No one saw this movie. Like it, it, I saw it in the basically empty theater on its like second week in, the, in like opening mm. and no one saw the movie. But I really do feel like this is such a great feature film debut for Carlos Lopez Estrada. Shout out to Carlos Lopez Estrada, Mexican director, slightly older than me, 
living it up, man. Yeah. Making really, really, really solid movie. Hey, dope, man. I, yeah. I got to check that one out. I'm going to definitely add that to the list, bro. For sure. Um, number nine. Number nine. Number RB3. Nine, number nine for me. Uh, this one is a, an intense thriller that I, I really took a liking to on home video release. Uh, that's right. This is another uh, Amazon Prime watch okay. and an Amazon Prime original. Um, you Were Never Really There, uh, starring okay. Joaquin Phoenix, directed by Lynn Ramsey. <coughs> Follows Joaquin Phoenix's character, who's like this kind of like suicidal, like hitman guy who like who who gets paid to like beat up like child pedophilia motherfuckers, you know. <laughs> Um, that's my first F word. I really, I told myself I wasn't going to curse. Um, <laughs> I got on you last time. About <laughs> it. You know, it's funny. My buddy, my buddy, uh, my buddy from high school, who, uh, he's, he never like watched the show yeah. before. Um, he, the last week, the Adam McKay episode was, was our first episode, his first episode he ever watched. And he was like, bro, like, I, I like your podcast. I just didn't know you guys cursed on it. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> You're getting called out. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to, I'm going to dial back a little bit. Um, but this movie is, is warranted because, it, like, these dudes are sick. You know what I mean? And Joaquin Phoenix is is really going in and chopping off heads. And, you know, it's, 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 it's a brilliant thriller because it's not about the violence that's being perpetrated, but it's about the violence within this guy's head because mm. you see – how disturbed and twisted he is, but he's just a totally normal guy, like on, on the exterior. But he, you know, he he he's dealing with some very violent, like self 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 inducing like pain. You know what I mean? And 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 you see that very reflectively throughout the film. And I think the way that was handled was very brilliant. Like I said, like there's not there's not really any big like fight action scenes because right when you think you're gonna see some action, Lynn Ramsey cuts away from that and focuses instead on like the character moment within. Uh, within Joaquin Phoenix and Joaquin Phoenix puts on a great performance. I don't know why this hasn't been like a more like awards award talk. attention. Yeah, I believe he won an award for it. I forget Wait, which like one. A, indie, it was a festival award. See, this is yeah, these for are, best actor. This is the kind of movie that's like going to do great at like indie spirit awards. I'm sure mm. stuff like that. But the Oscars should really take a look at this movie. Um, because this is one of the best performances I've seen uh, of the year. It's Joaquin Phoenix, man. Yeah, one of the yeah. best working actors right now. Yeah, killed it. Uh, so this is definitely yeah my number nine. Number nine spot goes to uh, you were never really there. Nine. Speaking of number nine, you're never my, really here. I'm sorry, you're never really here. You're never really here. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I still want to see it again. I, I I haven't seen this movie. Yeah, uh, I want to. I mean, when I first heard the premise, I was like, yeah, I want to see that movie. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix playing like a, a an assassin type guy. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah, I'm gonna see that. Dope. Uh, but yeah. Again, I have to take advantage of certain streaming services that I haven't had before. <laughs> hey man, I get I hit you up with the I hit you up with the Amazon password, bro. And I'm like, I'm losing my mind, bro. Hey. I'm like, yo, I've never seen these shows. Uh, the Americans? I need to watch the Amer- <laughs> Mr. Robot. I'm gonna finally see Mr. Robot. Yeah, we gotta do meaning of Mr. Robot. Yeah, man. man. I yeah. haven't seen it because it's so hard to find on these sites. But now that I have Amazon, I was talking to my friends over the weekend, and, and again. It's the one streaming thing I don't have. And they're yeah. like, oh, it's on Amazon. Come on, man. And I'm like, I don't have Amazon. But now yeah. I do. Yeah, thanks Amazon. to you. You got it, bro. You got it. <laughs> thanks, man. Not I appreciate bad. it. I, I waited too long to see you. That's, that's my Christmas yeah. gift, man. I mean, that's the <laughs> gift that I received for, hey. from you, man. And I, and I take that. Hey, man. Uh, my number nine is a movie that I had to put in my top ten. Because as much as people want to say, oh, it wasn't as good as the first one. Didn't live up to the hype. It's too overplayed, too overdone. I don't care. I liked it. I had fun. I enjoyed it. I felt moved, and and I was in this movie, and that is Creed Two, mm. Creed One, the Ryan Coogler Ryan Coogler version of the movie, mm. 
was my favorite movie of that year, which I believe was 2015. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, this is not my number one, but it is still in my top 10 because again, we both talked about it. It's still a solid sequel, man. It still has great performances by Michael B. Jordan. It still has a really well done story. It still has dramatic effect with what's going on within the ring, what's going on with out of the ring, what's going on with Tessa Thompson's character, how she feels in this relationship, what's going on with the Drago storyline, which we both thought was going to be something kind of dumb when we first heard about yeah. it. But when we saw it in the movie, we both enjoyed like the Russian angle. Like, how, yeah. what is his perspective? What does he feel like mm. going through this? Um, journey knowing what his father has done knowing what his mother has been a part of and knowing that he's she's not been a part of his life the Drago storyline really is what made not made the movie for me but it's really what made it a good movie for me and what really mm -hmm. made it stand out to me was the whole Russian angle and the fact that he made uh, he made that compelling I, I forget the director's name remind me of his name Stephen Cable uh, Stephen Cable Jr. Cable. Stephen Cable Jr. yeah Cable Jr. Um, the, the fact that he was able to make the Drago storyline actually emotionally compelling mm. was what really made this movie be like, yo, this is going to be in my top 10. It still had so many great moments. The ending to me was fantastic yeah. with Rocky connecting with his son once again, something that has been kind of forgotten within these past Rocky movies, Creed, and um, with, with the past Creed movie. Um, and the fact that they brought it back, and they brought it back in a really... Uh, well done kind of way not just a rushed kind of silly way but a very well purposed well done well placed way to me is what made this movie great I love Creed 2 yeah it's, yeah, in my, it's nah. my top 10 my number 9 yeah no nah, that's dope man I didn't I didn't put it on my list it could have been it should have been honorable mentions yeah. Uh, but yeah it was great they, they overall they did a, a, a great job well, because with, with something as sacred as Creed like they could have really easily fucked that up but mm -hmm. That's the they didn't. So yeah, yeah. Now to number eight. Number eight. RB three is number eight. Number eight. There's another uh, independent. There's the second eight two four movie. I think. I don't know if actually maybe it's not eight two four, but there's a second or really third super indie movie that is on the list, and that is uh, first reformed. Uh, uh, it is eight twenty four. Eight. That's eight twenty four. Yeah, it's the second eight twenty four movie after Hereditary. Also um, on Amazon. Also I, on Amazon. I also saw it on you Amazon. Saw, you saw it on Amazon. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, truly uh, great film, man. Ethan Hawke. Yeah. This is, this it, is, it almost made my top 10. Yeah. Just to spoil it, it's not in my top 10, but it almost 10. made my top 10. This is, see, this is, this is what, this is a movie I think of when I think of 2018, right? Like, mm. this is a movie about um, religious and, and reconsidering religion. This is a movie about climate change. This is a movie about the, the how the, the fear of the world is matriculating its way inside of uh, humans and, and men and what does that mean? Has religion influenced that fear? Um, what does it mean to be a sacrificial lamb? Like, it's all of these, like, really deep, powerful, potent questions that are just being asked, and it's all told through the perspective of Ethan Hawke's character and Amanda Seyfried and, uh, you know, uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Um, that's, so. <laughs> a great, that's a great role for him. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's so actually, good. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't he was doing good. some stupid shit. He was actually yeah. like acting. You know? I believed he was like a pastor of like a mega church. Yeah, yeah. I no, totally definitely. believed it. I was like, yeah. yeah. As someone who's uh, grown up in church his entire life, me, mm. um, this movie really did touch some stuff inside of me, and I, yeah. I, I mean that personally because I was like, yeah, this is something that I've always had conversations about, and I've talked to you a, a little bit, not not mm. a lot, about certain stuff within the church and certain stuff out of the church and certain stuff that becomes. 
quote end quote politicized, mm-hmm. even though it's like even Hawk says in this movie, not mm-hmm. really political. Yeah, exactly. it's not really a, a subject matter that has two sides. It really shouldn't have two sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that even Ethan Hawk says in this movie that the church could be at the forefront, mm-hmm. but instead they go in the back and kind of play this whole like political angle of joining up with these companies mm-hmm. when when uh, that's never what the church was really meant for, mm-hmm. as far as like joining up with CEOs and companies and how the church kind of blends in with those two things and how Ethan Hawke is like, wait a minute, that's not what the Bible says. Mm. That's not what the Bible says at all. Like how, how we can misinterpret, um, uh, what is it, dominion over this earth, right? Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. uh, uh, so many uh, people of faith really think dominion over this earth means let's take a giant dump on earth. And I'm like, mm, that's not what it means. Mm. It, it, you know, it means let's take responsibility. Just because we have dominion doesn't mean we shouldn't take responsibility of our actions on this planet. This is still God's earth. Yeah. This is so, you know, this is still what he gave us. This is still his gift to us. Mm. Um, so to, to me, that all that stuff was just, Similar to what Aronofsky has done in the past about yeah. the exact same subject, because Aronofsky yeah. has, you know, has a very religious yeah. perspective on uh, climate change and on, mm. on on what's happening to the planet. Mm. He feels like this is God's gift, and 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 instead of embracing God's gift, we pervert it and we change it, and mm. we feel like we can do whatever we want with it, even though it should be precious and we should hold it, and we should you know make it dear to our hearts. I, all that stuff to me was great. Um, obviously, the ending is a little nutty for me. <laughs> the last shot, the last shot. Yeah, uh, the last shot is beautiful, man. It's great. It really yeah. is. But the, but the, there's certain moments where I'm like, "Yo, chill, man, chill." Oh yeah, I mean, it, it really escalates. Chill, man. Like, it definitely escalates. Yeah, like the way it was. I'm literally I'm like, screaming, oh, "Chill!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as he's putting certain stuff on himself, and I'm like, "Yo, chill." <laughs> But he's fucking, uh, I, I don't know. I, was, I also, like, low-key, like, always have an affinity for when characters drink in movies. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> when the, the way this dude was drinking <laughs> was yeah. a little out of control. Uh, he wasn't Bradley Cooper level in The Stars. He wasn't. But, um, but, if oh, he was, he would have gotten nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> he would have gotten nominated for an Oscar. Because that's uh, what it takes, that's man. That's what it takes. Just act super drunk. Ace, yep. but I got, I got a proposition, man. And yep. There's no bullshit. I, well, sometimes we say things, like, and we propose things, and we don't really yep. do them. But this is a real proposal, man. What? All right, so... So you know how Stars is born. Stars born is a remake. That's been a movie that's been remade four times. Like, what if we did a meaning of the a Stars born? The meaning of a Stars born, where we compare and contrast all four versions. Oh my god! Of of the movie, that's deep. Yeah, the nineteen, the 30s version, the fifties version, the seventies version. Oh, I'm totally down. Today's version. Oh, you know absolutely. I mean? Especially because we have Oscars. we both follow music, yeah, and pop music, and all that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I feel yeah. like our perspective would be very interesting for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. it it, the the first two were about movie stardom, not even music mm. stardom. And then the seventies one, that's when it became music, and then the most recent one, yep. of course, country music. But yeah, we 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 got to do it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But either way, eight number eight, first reform. Number eight, first reform for me. It's a great uh, choice. Man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, once again, almost made my top ten. Yeah, uh, my number eight is a movie that I saw last week, I believe, mm. or yeah, last week, and it's a movie that I really, really enjoyed, and I'm surprised it's not getting more award attention. It somewhat is. Mm-hmm. It is for a certain actress. Uh, but as far as overall film, for me, this is one of my favorites of the year. Number eight, it's If Beale Street Could Talk. Oh, okay. The Barry Jenkins follow-up to Moonlight. Um, yeah. I love this movie, man. I mean, right away, as soon as it opens up and you see uh, that uh, shot from above and you hear that score, that score, RB3. Yeah, score. My God, it's so Crazy. good. It's, it's probably my favorite score of the year mm-hmm. already. Just immediately it starts out and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm gonna fall in love too mm. with whoever's here. <laughs> mm. But I, I love this movie, man. I love what what 
the story brings. I love the uh, the narrator perspective of of her character. I forget her name. Um, Tish. Tish. There you go. Um, and I, I feel like right away I'm immediately connected to their love story. Right away I'm immediately connected to both of them. Um, it, this idea of growing up um, together and being in love together and falling in love together, which is such an interesting thing, right? Because she talks about like even as children, we didn't really know what you know what connection was as far as physical connection because we're just kids, you know, we're just playing. But that idea of how these two friends and kids growing up can fall in love together, and the idea of knowing someone, the idea of believing someone through through the thick and thin, through horrible situations and horrible scenarios, right? Because it's it's about the uh, alleged uh, rape of someone who we believe, who's getting falsely accused of it, right? Or we will be believed to be falsely accused. And to me, that's such a fascinating story because it's the idea of like, not my son, not my husband, not my friend. He's not going to do that. He would never do that. That's not possible. And also the idea of this time period and how it, how easy it was to frame anyone. Any police cop could just frame a guy just because he got in his face and he didn't like him. And it, yeah. it really has a lot to say about race, has a lot to say about uh, uh, um religious ideologies because there's that that scene with the mother yeah. and how she sees the the relationship as a sin and all this stuff as punishment and, and, and crime and how she justified um I forget his name Fani is it Fani um yeah Fani yeah Fani's mother and how she justified his sin as like oh he's rightfully being punished even though she doesn't she doesn't realize that th that's not the way to think of your son because your son is being wrongfully accused and wrongfully punished. Mm -hmm. Don't think of this as justice. All the themes of the movie, it's beautiful. It's one of the best shot movies of the year. This is another one that I was talking about cinematography with my friends. Mm -hmm. This should be I, I, what I consider to be one of the best shot movies of the year. I, I really enjoyed this movie. Bill Street yeah. could talk. I have a lot to say about it later. Let, let's, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, you, later? Okay, yeah, later. Five, five, yeah. Five. Number seven, RB3. What's your number, number seven? seven uh, so number seven for me is the, uh, for at least the return to the mainstream, uh, not really the return to the mainstream, but maybe the return to a lot of people, uh, for, for a lot of people, uh, Spike Lee's uh, Black Clansman. Whoa! Uh, that's, that, number that seven? Um, yeah, Jeez. I mean, was, <laughs> that's good. That's good. That was really good. That's good. Um, that's good. Uh yeah, this. Uh, so okay, so I love this movie. You know, I love this movie. Yeah, um, I rewatched this one last night. Yeah, yeah. Using yeah. your account. Well, I bought it. I bought it. On my I know. Account. Yeah, yeah. It's like you um, own this movie, and I'm like, hell yeah, I do. Yeah. I'm gonna watch that shit again. Yeah, no, nah, I, I, no, nah, this. I think this is actually the only movie I brought this year. Actually, uh, oh, well, Black Panther on Blu-ray, but that was given to me. Uh, but yeah, this is the only movie I brought this year. Um, I love this movie. I'm infatuated with this movie. Uh, of course, I love Spike Lee. But you Lee. put it at number seven, though. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I love Spike Lee. Uh, and uh, this is a great addition to his filmography. It's not necessarily the best, um, but it's far from the worst. Uh, this is probably definitely one of his uh, top films. Um, you know, I do think there is some, you know, there is some... I. For me, to me, to me, what knocks this movie down a little bit in the pegs is, uh, you know, there is obviously based on a true story, and the based on a true story thing is a, you know, 
thing that a lot of Hollywood movies say. Uh, but this movie is it's accurate, but it's not really all that accurate. Sure. <laughs> but is it's that really what got up. you off? Well, it you know I because he doesn't even say based on a, he says yo this is based on some yeah, for some real, real shit, shit yo. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so I think, but yeah, I mean that's of course that's Spike Lee's way of saying like don't really take it that yeah. seriously. Um, but uh, I. I think the of course the very real hitting part at the end is very impactful. Um but I you know for me I don't know recently I've really started to think a lot about historical accuracy when it comes to movies mm. only in the sense that like what is the uh long-term responsibility? Yeah, uh you know or not just responsibility but the the, you know, a lot of times the movie becomes the text. You mm. know, the, a lot of times people watch the movie and think this is reality. Mm. Um where you know, does that add a level of responsibility to that? And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, filmmaking is about storytelling. It's not about history. You know, you're a storyteller, not a historian. But, you know, you almost think like, well, historians are storytellers, too, because they are retelling history just through a specific specific um, perspective and using evidence to justify that story sure. or whatever, to tell that story. Um, so more particularly, I watched the movie Death of Stalin. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. seen that one. Um, and that movie like gets a lot of regard for his his high historical accuracy. However, there is like one scene in that movie that they completely make not completely make up is based on the real thing, but there's a scene in the movie that after Stalin's death or whatever there's like a big, I guess, they portray like a big like protest with like thousands of people getting shot and all this kind of shit. And uh and that event that kind of that type of event happened but it was only like a hundred people where the movie way over blew it with like a thousand thousands of people and it had some other things that were a little off historically and that really got me thinking like damn if they show this in a history class like a kid will really think this kind of huge massacre happened sure under like russian you know whatever so it's like oh okay that that definitely might matter to some extent um so i think about this story and this story being so important and so like beautiful um, as like this black undercover agent going undercover for the KKK, and it's like okay, this is a great film, obviously. Uh, but the whole thing with the bomb threat at the end was kind of made up, which is fine. You know, it's a movie, so they have to you know yeah. hide the stakes and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like yeah, if, if somebody were to watch this sometime down the line, you know, that's that's kind of that's a little exact. It, it it turns into the black exploitation thing that. It, mm-hmm. They kind of mock early on in the movie, sure. Um, so, which is totally fine because I love black exploitation personally. Um, but in terms of like actual quality of the film, it's uh, everywhere else it's like perfection almost, yeah. you know. Um, and it's perfection if, in a way that Spike Lee's filmmaking is flawed, but it's still perfect in that is holy him as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I I love this movie, and yeah, I mean it gets a couple of points knocked off because of that, but. Otherwise, um, and I think Boost, you know, and also one last thing about it, Boost Riley kind of had like a criticism about it. Uh, he put out this whole essay where he talked about how it's like basic. He didn't like Black Klansmen because he thought it was like pro cop propaganda, essentially. Um, I agree with that a little bit, but also like strongly disagree with that because I think they show the police in pretty much in the exact same negative light for, uh, you know, they show the negative, the negatives of being a police officer, of being a bl- black police officer in that station. Also, how police officers treated black people during that time too so mm-hmm. it does kind of show both sides uh yeah, yeah. I, I disagree with that completely just because yeah. i really like you just said it shows both sides yeah um yeah i mean yeah that's interesting that it's in your number seven yeah um it's probably gonna be higher for you though right mm, we'll, we'll see, see. <laughs> uh with the right white man we can do anything <laughs> yeah. um, 
That's such a great line. Yeah, yeah. That's such a great line. Every every performance that movie is great. Do anything. Yeah. Oh, Topher Grace. Is it Topher Grace? Topher Grace. Oh my god. He's so good in that. Yeah. My number seven. Yeah. Is a movie. That I don't know where it's gonna be in yours, but it's at my number seven. Okay. Uh, and it's a movie that that really made a lot of waves this year, and that is Black Panther. Oh, okay. Black wow. Panther okay. is my number seven movie of the year. This movie obviously started a freaking revelation. It's a revolution, mm. the highest grossing movie domestically of the year. That to me is just a, an amazing stat mm. already. It it it, it turned. It, it elevated Ryan Coogler to like legendary status already. We talked about it on the mm. Ryan Coogler episode, how every film he's done has been a step up, 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 up. Mm. And as, as far as quality, every single film of his delivers quality 100% all the way through. And Black Panther is no different. Um, it starts out obviously with the character of Black Panther and the story of Wakanda because it's as much, Wakanda is as much a character as anyone else in the movie. It, mm. It's it's a character within itself. It talks about what it represents to have this idea of like this this African nation that is the most powerful, most rich nation on the planet. The responsibility that that um, uh, um, T'Challa mm. has to watch over his nation, but at the same time, the responsibility he has towards the rest of the world. It's a it's a, it's a very 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 relevant movie. You talked about relevancy at the beginning of this uh, yeah. episode. It's very relevant because it's literally about borders it's mm. literally about building walls and borders and tearing down walls and tearing down borders um which is what he talks about in the mid credit scene that's why it's the most relevant for me as far as yeah. that um and yeah i mean it, it made it 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 really showed giving a giant budget to the right talent and that is ryan coogler and giving him that type of budget to make a, a like i said before about james wan a true spectacle film but with a really great story, and and the fact that everyone talks about Killmonger, and he was great. Killmonger was was so was so good. But I just love his his uh, not just his confidence, but just his ideas of really righting the wrongs of the white man mm. throughout history. And I think a lot of people, I don't know if they missed it or if they're kind of ignoring it. RB three. Um, because I really feel like a lot of people are like, yo, he was cool. He had swag. And I'm like, yeah, but did you hear what he said? Yeah. I don't think you heard I mean, what he said. Yeah, I think saying. a lot of people <laughs> were like, yo, Killmonger was cool, man. He knew how to fight. That's what I'm saying. And yeah, he shot a gun. He <laughs> shot people. And I'm like, yeah, but he just said correcting the rights of the white man throughout history. He literally wants to arm all black people around mm -hmm. the world mm -hmm. with giant ass weapons mm -hmm. to take down the white man. That's I mean, what, yo. <laughs> see, that's what, see, bro, that's what I've been saying this entire time when people are like oh black panther doesn't deserve a best picture i'm like this is a that's a radical that's like, radical that's fucking insane that's like, crazy the, the, the fact that any of this movie <laughs> like uh, the entire the yeah. movie, like it's literally about a society that breaks in the civil war because there's a radical who wants to kill all the white people like, he wants to kill all the white people <laughs> that is insane i don't think people like, heard yeah. that everyone was like yo he was cool man he yeah. knew how to... i'm like did you just hear what he said yeah. <laughs> he wants to give like these giant ass like super beam weapons yeah. that take down like space dogs mm. in infinity war <laughs> yeah yeah really though yeah they're set they're like literally can blow up buildings yeah. and he wants to give them to all the black people on the planet yeah to like correct the wrongs he wants to go after the white people yeah i was like yo that's crazy yeah, yeah that's wild <laughs> but uh but I, seven, I really though? enjoyed this movie number, why, why number seven uh i i just i mean everyone always talks about the third act but yeah i mean the third act is okay man and i really did feel like as far as uh, uh 
connecting right away towards the movie and connecting right away to T'Challa, it took me a hot minute, man, to be honest. That's why a lot of people connected more with Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people connected more with other side characters. But it took me a hot minute to connect with, with T'Challa. Um, and that's just on a personal level. And that's just me being honest. I feel like there, there's a few moments as far as like an emotional connection that felt a little bit flat for me mm-hmm. as far as other compared to other MCU movies that I hold in higher regard personally. That's yeah. why it's my number seven. Cool, man. I mean, I have some some more words for it later on yeah. down the line. What's your number uh, six, my man? My number six. Now, this one is, I do have to say this is a, this number because even though this is also another movie I saw on a streaming service, I do want to see this on the big screen, you know? Okay. Uh, oh, okay. I, I got to give our respect to my man, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, for my number six pick, which is Roma. Uh, you liked it that much? Yeah, Damn. man. Roma was uh, crazy to me, man. Uh, this this definitely felt you could feel that Francis Caron really put the time mm. and the attention to detail, and he really this was a story that he was very passionate about, and it's he almost like really sub he 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 completely subverts his normal style of like the subjective camera you know usual thing he kind of puts the camera in a more objective kind of standpoint you know featuring very like panty pants. shots so many pants yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of. Uh, a lot of dolly shots, like all those kind of like very static staccato shots. A lot of his filmmaking is very, you know, is usually the long takes in the terms of like handheld camera or yeah. in, the, in the case of gravity CGI camera. Uh, but this movie is all about the the like the the the, the framing, the the composition is all very reminiscent of like some nostalgic place, like this memory that he's recreating on film. Um, and again, I only saw it on Netflix, and this is. And you know, I you know me, I'm the pro, biggest pro Netflix guy in the world. Uh, so I'm very happy to see his movie. Did performing. you see his his conversation about? Yes, I did. And he's I, fucking, I was that guy. I was a reporter. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was the guy asking him. I was like, yeah. yo, you're destroying independent cinema, bro. <laughs> that was me. Nah. But, he, but, but I have said that. I said yeah, that you last did year. Say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I kind of agree. <laughs> you still agree with that guy? No, I I don't agree with it. I I think his comeback was great. It was a true comeback. But yeah. I still feel like yeah, this is still. I mean, time will tell what Netflix does to to film. No, I think there's this is Netflix has been doing nothing because I saw it in benefit. theaters. You saw it in theaters. Mm-hmm. You saw Roman theaters. I refuse to see it on on t- um, at home. Yeah, TV. I mean, I normally wouldn't care as much about seeing it in theaters, but you know, I got respect that Fonzo Quran, You know, yeah. Uh, and um, I, I know they're showing at the Egyptian the seventy millimeter mm-hmm. on Thursday. I wonder if they stuff tickets. I don't know if they stuff tickets. Yeah, uh, but that was definitely. I mean, it, it's, but you enjoyed the story. Because uh, yeah. I, 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 I mean, obviously, there was a lot of, in this movie that I was like familiarized with, mm-hmm. just because my dad was grew up in the city during that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, El DF. Uh, okay, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. In Mexico, mm-hmm. um, and and that's why I was familiar with a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I don't know. To me, it was more it was more of just like a fly on the wall kind of film, simple. Yeah, it, was a it slice didn't of really life. slice of life. Yeah. It didn't really hit me on a on a on a. I mean, obviously, it hit me at the end. Yeah, that whole thing at the end was kind of it was a tragedy, obviously. Yeah, um, and I felt it personally, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, I was like, mm, it didn't it didn't do it. Yeah, you know, it just didn't do it for me. Honestly, uh, a lot of the movies in 2018 don't really have strong endings. Don't really land as strong. Mm-hmm. Black Klansman had a strong ending, and. Uh, and uh, but first reformed had a had a had a you know controversial ending. Uh, Hereditary had a pretty good ending, but a lot of these movies don't really have the neatest of endings sure. in 2018. But I feel like this one had a very beautiful ending. It did. Uh, it, it did. Even when they're at the beach and everything. Yeah, it um, ended strong to me. The 
but the rest of it was just whatever to me. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I mean, I, I, I see that, uh, but I also just think that it was just uh, brilliant. I, I just think it has. I mean, obviously, it's, we can talk about it now since it's not on my list. Mm. Uh, it, it just it was an it was an interesting perspective. I was talking to my friend about it after I saw it in theaters, about just the idea, man, of, of like the fact that there's always going to be a, a, a some sort some sort of dominion over people and I, that to me has always been something that's um kind of it's frustrating but that's the way it is too right i mean the fact that these people um the fact that the movie starts out and i'm ready to see a mexican film and it starts out and, and i hear th them speaking and i don't know what they're saying that to me was so fascinating because i obviously i speak spanish mm -hmm. and i was ready to, to hear oh it's a movie it's an entire movie all in spanish no it's not there's a lot of this movie that's that's in that native tongue. I forget what it is, mm. um, because they're native and mm. they, they speak that language. And there's a lot of native people that live in Mexico and they have that that ideology and that live in those small towns and that are very 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 poor, like very poor. Mm. And you see that in the movie and yeah. in the class disparagement. The class exactly, and you see how it is the darker native people that end up still serving the the wider. European Mexicans that have more money and that are yeah. like doctors and businessmen and stuff like that and that to me was 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 an interesting and point putting, it, putting it in black and white too that yeah. really uh, emphasize that exactly and that was an interesting point in the movie that really stood out to me personally because I was like that's crazy that you can still have that s subtle discrimination based on skin color and language yeah and that's why even that, if they're Mexicans it's the, the irony right yeah and, and, the, and that's exactly what I'm saying like all these movies are all dealing with something very relevant to today. Roma, mm -hmm. Black Klansman, First Reformed, and you were never really there. I mean, that movie is all about child pedophilia. We just saw the fucking R. Kelly documentary. Mm. Did you watch that? I haven't. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man, that's some heartbreaking yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't want to see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be heartbreaking. Never, you never want to listen to Ignition again, man. Yeah. Um, but, oh, Lord. Yeah, oh, no, it's crazy. Uh, but all of that shit, you, you see all these movies mm. have a very relevant theme, and, so sure. is, and Roma has a very relevant thing of like, you know, class and how and how the wealthy versus the poor and how that relationship manifests itself. So all the, all the, all of it is just great. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed. I mean, the fact that Quaron shot the movie himself. Yeah, it's just no, yeah, no DP. Right. As soon as he said shot by him and mm. on the opening credits, I was like, really? <laughs> that's crazy, man! You shot that's the movie uh, yourself. That's uh, that's that's what the uh, 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 my boy um, Paul Thomas Anderson did last year with uh, um, with Phantom Threat. Oh, that's right. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. There's no DP on that one. That's crazy. So my number six pick is another movie from a first-time director. It's a director I feel that really, really stood out as far as what this film delivered. I don't know if you've seen it, RB3, but it is Eighth Grade, mm. directed by Bo Burnham. That's my number five. So oh, no it's perfect time to talk about perfect it. Perfect timing. Yeah, Let's yeah. do it, man. Hey. This movie broke my damn heart. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I said... Aww, yeah. in this movie. Like, yeah. I literally said, aww, mm -hmm. just because I felt really connected to this character. I felt I felt every every social battle that she was facing, because she yeah. was facing so many social anxieties, social battles, social identity, all this kind of stuff that she's facing in this time period. I believe it's like 13 years old? 13, yeah, 14? 13, yeah. 13, 13 to 14 years old, that transition between middle school and high school, mm -hmm. this this idea of what she's supposed to be, this idea of socially connecting to people. I related to this movie so much, even though I, I guess I'm not the target audience. I, don't, I shouldn't relate to this movie, but I did oh, yeah. just because I'm a very socially anxious person and I'm 
very, I'm not good in groups and group settings are not for me. Um, but obviously what she goes in this goes through in this movie is, is, is heartbreaking. It, it, it's, it's sad to watch, but at the same time, it's so realistic. It's one of the most realistic coming of age movies I've ever seen yeah. versus other coming of age movies that are a little bit, um, kind of floating slightly above ground mm. as far as the reality connection towards it. Mm. This one felt like, yo, this is real. Like someone just got a camera and was shooting this girl and was like following along her story. It broke my heart. It, it made me think a lot more about uh, identity and, 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 and social constructs of this age period. Mm. Um, and it really did its job as far yeah. as connecting with an audience. And that was me. I was the audience. Yeah, no. And uh, my biggest takeaway from this movie was the style. Um, the style of this movie was insane. Uh, I think particularly with the scene where she goes to the pool party and then um, she looks and she comes out of the house and she sees all the kids and it's like a horror movie with that score and everybody's like doing crazy shit and just, it, it puts you, it's subjectivity to its finest. You know what I mean? It really puts you inside the mind of the character. Um, it really puts you inside of what that character is feeling like and externalizes that. And I think that's really, that's really, to me, that's what I appreciate most in filmmaking. I think Bo Burdum, being a YouTuber, uh, managed to capture that in a really powerful cinematic way that is unique and original uh, and very postmodern, too. I also think to the scenes when she's looking on her phone and it's like the superimposed of, or she's looking, she's looking, she's like looking at stuff on her laptop or her phone or social media and it's like superimposed over her face like as she's reading it and it's like very visceral it's like right in there you know what I mean and that's how intimate a lot of people feel that's how the connection to the social media and the internet to young people it are you know the whole motif of her having a cracked phone screen and she's looking at the world through like this shattered uh the shattered lens and 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 it cuts her you know it literally cuts her thumb and she's like it's, it's all like this big metaphor for you know, the effects of social media on people and the effects of the internet generation, today's generation. And they even kind of discussed that in the film, like how four years, four years between, you know, a four-year distance between, uh, this, you know, uh, uh, high schoolers and middle schoolers in this generation is, like, completely different now, you know? Like, and of course, and I, I even watched this movie and I think, like, damn, like, this, she's in eighth grade. She has to be, what, like, 13? Like, they're already talking about, like, sex and stuff. <laughs> Back in the 80s, like, they used to be, like, you have to be a senior in high school before you even touch on the, in, in the movie, at least. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't a kid in the 80s, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I really think about it. I was like, damn, was I at 13? It was probably for me, it was, like, 14, 15 when I started having those things. But, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, oh, like. Yeah. That was sad. That yeah, was sad. That, to yeah. me, that was sad. And I think it was played off in, in a very, like. Mature like, way. But, yeah, but, it was, like, I. She, it's like this overwhelming pressure, and you're yeah, like, "Oh yeah. my god, she's feeling that at 13? Mm -hmm. God dang! Like yeah. that's so sad, man. Yeah. Like she feels all this pressure mm -hmm. to 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 be active in a way that she's not even explored yet, and that she mm -hmm. doesn't even want to explore yet. She just wants to chill and eat sandwiches with that homie at the end. Yeah, like that. Uh, I don't know. That's why I really like oh, the Gabe. end. Yeah, yeah. yeah with the it's like, nuggets. man, I just want to chill and eat chicken nuggets, man. Yeah. Like, why does everything got to be hyper sexualizing? I, I don't know, man. I, I just yeah. felt so bad. I was like, my God, I feel awful. Yeah. Poor, poor girl. And the fact that it's also like about a girl too, a mm -hmm. little girl, right? Mm -hmm. Versus like a little dude. Mm -hmm. If it was like a little homie, it's like you feel bad. But it, the fact that it was a little girl, your heart breaks a little more because you feel like that. It's even more pressure, man. Mm -hmm. It's even more difficult, and that's yeah. it's hard. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I really felt connected to her and to that storyline and to her dad. Her yeah. Dad was just like 
trying her best, man. He's trying his best. Yeah, is that the dad was the nicest character. Yeah. I feel like he uh, was dope. Yeah, no, I, all of the scenes, the music was was crazy in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the score in this movie was was dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, not you know the very electronic like kind of influence oh, yeah, stuff it was, was really good. nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that, was, I, that did stood out to me. Yeah. yeah, very made it feel like you know the the technology stuff. So, uh, yeah, I really dug this movie. Yeah, man, shout out to Boy Burnham. Um, That's my number five. Is your number six? My number five, number five is yeah. a movie that, for some reason, RB three has been shrouded in controversy, and it's a movie that I was like, "Yo, that movie was dope." When I came out of the movie theater, I was like, "Yo, this movie's dope." It's gonna be in one of my favorites for sure. One of my favorite movies of the year. It's my number five, and that is Green Book. RB three. Oh, okay, I haven't seen. This I one. love Green Book. Green Book stars Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Um, it's a road trip movie. It's a road trip story. It's based on a real life musician. Um, I love this movie. I love how it talks about identity. I love how it talks about um, being outside of your time period because that's how Mahershala feels. He feels like he's not really within his own era. Um, he feels somewhat disconnected from either identity, whether it be black, whether it be white, whether it be what he's doing to entertain people. And, and the relationship he has with fans versus the relationship he has with them as friends is so interesting. It's so well done. It's so well written as far as how certain people in the South viewed black people in the 60s. I think it's the 60s. Um, and how they would view them as like, oh, man, I love this. I love this song. I love this music. But when it comes to using their bathrooms, when it comes to using their stuff, when it comes to um, being personal with them, it's it's stay back, stay back, and it's that it's that racist uh, connection of being racist, and you're still a damn racist. But oh, I love the music though, or I love the basketball. You know, basketball's great. Just don't eat at my table. And it's like, wait a minute, you just said I'm. It's it's such a, a, a disconnection of the racism where they they're like, I'm not racist. I just don't want you to eat at my. T-. And it's like this weird time period of. White people giving all this money and, and giving this value to black people when it comes to music, when it comes to entertainment, but not giving them the same respect and, and how the laws still discriminated against the top of the top. And that's who Mahershala Ali plays in this movie. He plays mm-hmm. the best musician on the planet. Mm-hmm. And he's entertaining all these rich white people, but these rich white people still step on him no matter what. And, it, and, it, and it's got such that relationship between Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali is great. It's 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 the it's the idea of of putting two people in a situation where they have to talk to each other, which is what they're doing in locked in the car. It's got funny moments, it's got sad moments, it's got heart touching moments. It ends on a really positive note, which I think a lot of people didn't like. I loved it, and and I put it as one of my favorite movies of the year. It's in my top five. I love Green Book, and to think that this is the guy who gave us like Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah. So I don't really have much to say. Um, you know, I, I think I think I guess a lot of criticism is just that it's uh you know, it's from, you know, a white white director, right sure. writer. But there's uh, a ton of movies that come from white white writers and directors. I feel right, like, right, right. Am right. I wrong or no? No, nah, I think you're right. I mean, there, I think I think I think a lot of people just in this year in particular where we have so many great black movies, they're like, Oh, we don't want to see this dude tell this story, you know? Um sure. now I haven't seen it, so I don't really know, you know. I have to like watch it and evaluate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I gotta check it out. Uh, you check know, it out, it's, it's 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 funny. Um, <laughs> I really hope this doesn't. I mean, of course, I haven't seen it, so I don't want to hate. But if this movie ends up like winning 
awards like over Black Klansmen, then I think it's going to be like a little bit of a problem for me. Sure. Only because it's like this is driving Miss Daisy part two, you know? like That's what a lot of people are saying. Yeah, or especially if it wins. Because Spike Lee famously didn't get nominated for Best Picture for Do the Right Thing in 1989. That's right. The same year that Drive Miss Daisy won Best Picture. You That's know? right. So, like, the optics again were like Black yeah. Klansmen getting Spike Lee all this Oscar attention uh, uh, and uh, Green Book going up against it. That's true. The only thing <laughs> I can Robert. say is, I'm sorry, I know a lot of people disagree with me, but give Mahershala Ali the Oscar. Mm. That guy's incredible. Yeah. That guy makes me cry over like five minutes in Moonlight, whether it's 20 minutes in this movie, like no matter what the guy does, He's so freaking good, man. And yeah. in this movie, he's sensational. Yeah. He's so good in this movie. He does the right balance of of showing you uh, a, a little uh, layers to his character. Where yeah. when you first meet him, he's not a nice guy. Like he's you you immediately think that oh, Mahershala Ali is gonna play the cool, fun black guy. No, not really. He's kind of just like kind of a dick to 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 everyone around him. Yeah. It's really that the the idea of. Uh, having layers to your character and being and feeling a little bit betrayed of of the America you live in and still wanting that connection towards it. He's so freaking good, man. Give give him the Oscar. I don't care what anyone says. He's so freaking good in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Give me Viggo Mortensen the Oscar for saying the N word too in the, in the interview. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, hey, uh, man. He apologized. Yeah, he apologized. You know, he apologized right after he said it. So yes, yeah. you know, it's always funny. Uh, for me, my number four. Yeah, number four. Uh, you had. Um, alluded to it before. Okay. That's uh, Black Panther. Okay. That's my number four Number spot. four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number four. Uh, Ryan Coogler did an amazing job with this film. Yeah. Um, I think I give it, you know, I've seen it. It's no secret. I've seen this movie like seven times in theaters. Six times. Six times in theaters. Um, and like three times on home videos. So about nine times in total. Um, this movie has definitely sat with me multiple, multiple times. And I yeah. still find enjoyment in it every single time that I watch it. Um, is it a perfect movie? No, but not by any means or any imagination. Um, the the CGI, you know, at the end is whatever. The, the rhinos is kind of kooky. Um, and, you know, them still in this fight scene from Spider-Man 3 is a little nuts too. But it's okay because I think overall what this movie had to say, what this movie put on display, um, all of these great black actors, black uh, dark-skinned actors too, uh, representing a optimistic uh, future for for black people representing something that is not about suffering, not about poverty, not about slavery. But this is about uh, a, a, a utopian society that promotes like Afrofuturism. It has, it presents visuals that we've almost never seen before. Um, and it just does, and it just, it, it incorporates a lot of different facets of, of African culture and African lifestyle and kind of Merges them into this really kind of cool collective uh, action movie that that it you know it besides it just being a comic book movie it is wholeheartedly a story about uh, a nation a kingdom uh, and it's epic in that in that way too and it has that epic feel in it and it stays um, and it's grandiose like you could rename the movie Wakanda and it'll be the, the almost the same movie um, the warring of ideologies that we talked about before just all of that really says uh you know Disney took a, a huge risk on doing this movie because if you if you're saying things that radical like what Michael B Jordan's character says in this movie or even the even the idea of even the final result of building schools and and educating people um outside of your country 
uh, that's, I mean, for a conservative-ass company like Disney, that's something to be applauded, right? Because, you know, like, you know, U.S. fights all of these wars in, like, other countries, but they don't even want to build schools or roads, you know, for said countries. They'd rather spend billions on on war. And that's how a lot of our, a lot of American societies function. That, or not American societies, that's how a lot of global societies function in general. But this movie promotes something that's peaceful and optimistic. And, of course, it's Disney, so they're going to say something like that. But it, it finds a good compromise for the ideology that Michael B. Jordan's character represents, Killmonger represents, Plus the uh, traditionalism, it, it, all of it is just great to me. Uh, definitely deserves best picture as well. Yeah. So you think it's gonna win it? Uh, I don't know. It's probably Star Born is gonna win it. <laughs> uh, neither, uh, neither, neither, neither of which is on our t- uh, top ten. Is is it on your top ten? No, 10? man. Not gonna make your top. No. <laughs> make your top ten. Jesus Christ! Um, Why is that movie getting so much love? Yeah, oh. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't particularly love it, but. You know, I mean, I, w- I thought it was fine, but damn, best movie of the year. Yeah, I mean, Shit. that's that's the direction it's looking at right now. Yeah. Um. Also, I think it's funny. I don't know if it's funny, but uh, I haven't seen the favorite on your list yet. I wonder if it's anywhere in the top three. I mean, we haven't finished, bro. Oh, okay. We okay. haven't finished. All right. Though. All right. All right. No, we'll eventually find out. But okay. Um. Have you seen the favorite? Yeah. Is it? In, can, no, I'm not oh. a fan. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the favorite then. Because it's not in my top. <laughs> oh, really? It's uh, not. No. Yeah, okay. Did right. you not see my tweets? You got to follow my tweets, bro. Oh, man, I might have not seen it. My tweets, though. I only really check Twitter once a day now. I think the favorite is a, is a fantastic performance film. <laughs> as far as, like, Rachel Wise is a beast in that movie. Olivia Coleman is great in that movie. Nicholas Holt is awesome in that movie. Emma Stone is great. But the movie itself, to me... The first half of that movie, I was like, yo, this is great. The second half of that movie, where it basically is like, mm, let's not really go anywhere. And let's just kind of take the, uh, make up your own mind kind of thing. And it, I don't know. It just feels like it just ends. Like it just doesn't have a conclusion. It doesn't have a, uh, and I guess that's the point, but I, I didn't care for it. Yeah. I didn't care for the ending. Well, for me, it was it was a little more than the ending. I, 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 I saw it. Usually when I see movies like that, I kind of got to meditate on it to, like, if I really – how I really feel about it, you know? Sure. Um, mostly because I thought the way the style was presented – like, they use those very short, short lenses, and they use the fisheye lenses yeah. for a lot of scenes, too. Fish, that threw me um, off so much. And there's – I mean, it's clearly a purpose to that. I just haven't been able to gather the purpose, per se, you know? Sure. And for something that's that specific and that stylized, like – I, I I think and of course if 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 uh, the guy direct uh, Yorgos Latimos I don't, don't want to mispronounce Yorgos Latimos if he came in and explained to me why he made that choice I'd probably be like oh okay that makes sense but yeah. the text didn't really provide that sure. for me so it felt like the style was almost separate than the mm-hmm. substance it had great performances and it had the period piece I, maybe that's maybe that's it man maybe too like maybe you don't I'm like just, period pieces period right? pieces just ain't I really love my thing pieces. man like, period <laughs> pieces are my thing I love them I love the crown I love British shows I love British dramas oh but you know what I've been stuff. watching man I've been watching Sherlock bro Sherlock oh, have Sherlock. you seen Sherlock mm-hmm. on BBC oh man Sherlock's like the coldest motherfucker in the streets mm-hmm. man cold man you gotta Sherlock. watch the crown bro nah I, I don't know about this Sherlock is a modern show it's not a period piece yeah. it's a modern show but it's British though so <laughs> but that dude be talking Talking man, he'd be like, he'd be solving them cases, like, yeah, he'd be like, talk shit, yeah, just talking shit. He'll it's talk better to come and bash. 
Yeah, I love it, man. Yeah. He's not he's not Doctor Strange anymore, me. He's he's Sherlock for now, forever. I uh, all thirteen episodes of that movie. Of that show. Yeah. Th- really thirteen movies, because each episode's two hours. It is, yeah. Uh, um I feel like I feel like the favorite is is I, I for me it's a performance movie. And I'm not gonna take anything away from any performance in that movie just because yeah, I thought nah. the movie was okay. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, it's it was not just bad okay movie. To me. It's not bad. It was okay. It's not bad. Yeah. 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 It's just it didn't it didn't live up to what I think a lot of people are letting it live up to. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, my number four movie of the year is a movie that I saw towards the end of the year and it had a lot of hype behind it, RB3, lots and lots of hype behind this movie. And I, I loved it, man. And I really feel like that's the nerd in me talking, but I love this movie and that's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That's perfect. That's my my, number three. That's your number three? Yeah. That's my number four. I'm wearing the shirt right now. Representing Miles Morales. Latino Spider-Man. What's up? Hey, man. (laughs) Represent. Black Spider-Man, too. (laughs) I know. Hey, man. I know. Both, man. Both sides of the aisle. Yeah, man. It's both. Uh, that's what I was like. Whoa, black or Latino? Both, homie. Both. Hey, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, I, I love this movie, man. I, I felt like this movie was the perfect. If we're going to talk about like comic book movies and stuff later on as far as me goes. But the perfect culmination of comic book movies for Spider-Man. This is the one. This mm. is this is it's perfect timing as far as Spider-Man movies. It, it, it's, it's, it's the perfect story for Spider-Man movies It's the perfect message for Spider-Man movies to me. This put Spider-Man, no, I'm, I'm going to take it back. This reminded people what that Spider-Man is like, one of the world's best superheroes and why he's one of the world's best superheroes and what he represents and what he can do. And the identity that Spider-Man has isn't just the identity of Peter Parker, even though Peter Parker is the GOAT, he's the legend, number one, shout out to Peter Parker, you know, he's the MJ. But at the same time, People like Miles Morales can be can be something else and can still have the same ideology, the same representation, the same uh, message that Peter Parker brings to his character. Miles Morales can do the same thing and do it differently and still be great and still be awesome. That to me is one of the coolest, coolest, most well done superhero messages of a character that everyone knows, and that's Spider-Man. And and being such a massive Spider-Man fan, not just the movies, but the comics and the animated series and everything growing up as a Spider-Man fan, this movie to me was like, literally at the end of the movie, I was like, yo, I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> mm. That's what I said to myself because I was like, yo, that's dope. That's such a dope message. The idea of like, I can take up this mantle and represent strength, power, responsibility, uh, standing up to what's right, standing up for what's right, standing, uh, uh, pushing down what's evil, like all that kind of stuff, all those messages that you hear in all these MCU movies and that you hear in all these DC movies, it was done almost better than any of those in this movie, I love Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Yeah, no, uh, Spider Verse is, yeah, like you know, everything you said mm. uh, and more. I think that uh, for, you're right, I mean, especially for this point in the Spider Man franchise where we already had three live action reboots, uh, what other story can you tell besides the Miles Morales story? And, and more particularly, what story can encompass, what, what story can you tell that? isn't the same old dragged out Spider-Man tale that we've been familiar with this entire time. And I think the the idea of it being anybody in a mask is like a self-reflective thing upon the past Spider-Man films too because we've seen three different Peter Parkers obviously and they've all connected with audiences in one way or another, but it it encourages that there's more than just these uh three pasty white guys. There's more mm-hmm. than just 
you could be you could be whoever you could be a, a girl you could be a, an anime character you could be a, a pig uh you could be a noir from a character from 1930s which is by the way my favorite character in the movie uh noir spider-man yeah, he's pretty great uh peter porker is a close number too though uh but i i think that all of them all of all of all of what this movie represents uh from the representation of diversity to the hip hop that they represent, just from the old school hip hop to the you know to the fashion that he wears, the Jordans mm-hmm. to the uh, graffiti, you know, a lot of people don't understand that hip hop. One, the, you know, there's four foundations of hip hop: the 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 MC, the rapping, the 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 DJing, the graffiti, and the dance. You know, and this movie kind of encompasses a lot of a lot of those elements in, in different mm-hmm. ways. Um, so it really is a strong hip hop piece as well, but it's also a strong uh, character piece. It's a strong comic book piece. It opens with the whole like comic book authority, like snap thing at, oh, at the beginning. Right, yeah. So it, it 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 it's a very much an homage to the form of Spider Man, uh, f- to the form of comic books and and the self reflectiveness of comic books and the representation of comic books in today. Yeah, like and how it, the the mythology of comic books have become so ingrained in our culture that it's like. This is a world that imagines those myths being real. Yeah. Same way that Logan Logan did that in 2017 as well. Mm. Put the put the mirror back to the comic books and really. But this is the first comic book movie that really looks aesthetically adapts the comic book style, uh, and it adapts the comic book style while also being um, not beholden to any sort of particular like one thing. You know, yeah, uh, it's a wholly original thing in and of itself. I love that man, and, and and that's something that I said at the end of the movie too, and I forgot about that, but it's. It's it's one of the first comic book hip hop movies, mm-hmm. probably ever. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to count a little bit of Black Panther too, because it mm-hmm. did have a little bit of that hip hop sound. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, obviously, it had a little bit of the traditional African sound as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, this is like the first. It's the first modern comic book movie, as far as like bringing in modern elements of music, uh, of 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 vibe, of style, of of being in high school and what high school sounds like nowadays. Mm-hmm. Isn't you know the nineties. Uh, Nickelback, it, it yeah. isn't, or it, isn't it, isn't some uh, some like Shaq, you know, uh, Shaq Diesel. What, what was it? Uh, uh, still and still, when they had the little nineties bullshit hip hop in that shit. Which or? one? And still, with, oh with Shaq. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, this one felt like yo, that's that's high school now. You know, mm-hmm. this is school where you're playing hip hop, you're saying hi to your homies. Like that first fifteen minutes of the movie, I was like, yo, this is this is re- now. It's like now. It's the most modern comic book movie in that sense that it feels like. They're not playing like Nickelback in high school. It's like, yo, we don't play that stuff anymore. Like yeah. that's way old. Um, that to me is is one of the biggest things because for me, there is still, and I'm telling you, RB3, as someone who's worked behind the scenes, and I'm sure you've seen a little bit of it, not mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, not I, I, Maybe you have, I don't know. Uh, there's still this weird kind of like resistance towards hip hop mm-hmm. when it comes to movies and, and people behind the scenes and making movies and stuff. They still, hip hop is music. Like I, I still hear that from people I know, man. Mm-hmm. People I work with, they're like, oh, come on, that's not a real song. It's just beats on a keyboard. And it's like people still have that mentality and it's it's kind of like you're you don't realize how outdated you are how hip-hop has grown so much more than when it was before so it's the most mainstream type of music man yeah. like it really is like as much as people don't it's the number one genre it is the number one genre as much yeah. as people have resistance towards it and as much as people want to have like you know take me back to the old school hip-hop take me back to nas take me back to yeah. and it's like that's cool and i respect that but hip hop is mainstream, man. Yeah. You know, you got to get out of your head about like playing like the the 
old school '90s rock songs. It's not. That's not. That's not that's comic not book movies anymore. anymore. Yeah. Comic book movies are now hip hop. What do you like, think? It's had, mainstream. What do you think had the better soundtrack, Black Panther or? Spider-Man? You know what's funny? I was listening to both on the way here, man. <laughs> I can't lie, Black Panther. Yeah, Black, Black Panther, Panther definitely man. does have. The best I, just just King's Dead alone is yeah. enough for me. Hey. Yeah. Just that is enough for me to be like, yo, Black Panther deserves the Oscar. Yeah, <laughs> give yeah. him the Oscar. King's dead. This definitely is nominated for album of the year, man. So we might yeah, see that happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, I love this movie. I love what it represents. As a Spider-Man fan, again, the idea of like, I- I'm I'm rewatching My Hero Academia back from season one. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you've seen My Hero Academia yet, mm. but the idea of All Might representing. Uh, All Might being like the Superman of this time period of, of My Hero Academia and, and Superman representing not just uh, um, being, a, being a badass and being strong and liberty and justice and freedom and all this stuff, but the idea of, of, of not just being a symbol, but that symbol reaching other people to the point of like uh, ideology. That to me is like, yo, Spider-Man can represent ideology, like straight up philosophy. That to me is just deep. The fact that People can be inspired by by this one comic book character that encapsulates so many different uh, notions and beliefs. That to me is so powerful. I was like, "Yo, Spider Man is that big!" And obviously, uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it, Miguel O'Hara, bro, twenty ninety nine. Uh, let's the, go, the <laughs> let's yeah. go, man. Yeah, that's funny. Latino Spider Man again <laughs> at the end of the movie. I was like, "Yo!" And then obviously, all the twists in this movie is what kill me the most, man. The, the, the fact that this movie does a separate universe movie with a different type of scorpion, a, 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 a weird Puerto Rican scorpion, a, a, a female yeah. Dr. Octopus. Doc Ock was, was it? Doc Ock yeah. was sick. Yeah. I was like, this is dope, man. You know, She's like a creepy, weird scientist with like bungee arms. I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever yeah. seen. And I think that's a completely original thing for yeah. this movie too. And, you know, it's fascinating. They take all the kind of weird, quirky elements of the Spider-Man mythology with, like, mm-hmm. the Aunt May being, like, the secret spy mm-hmm. and, like, all these, like, re- weird corners of Spider-Man lore and really adapts it in a really fun way, uh, almost in a way that only animation could fully achieve. Yep. Uh, and I like that it feels like a f- wholly animated film. This is a technique. I think they're even trying to patent the technique for this movie, but this mm. is the most gorgeous animation I've ever seen for an animated film, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so well The way animated. Spider-Man, the way the eyes are animated, the way, you know, when Spider-Man is in the mask and everything, too. Um, perfect. And uh, um, um, also, I also think that, uh, before I forget this thought, um, and I'm losing the thought right now, so that's, <laughs> that's fucking stupid. I'm trying to give, um, give it back to you. Let me give it, give it back to me. Give me those, give me those thoughts. Professor Ace. X. Uh, no, I, I, I also think that... Uh, and this, and this encompassing of all of this different uh, Spider-Man iconography and uh, all of this uh, unique uh, visual imagery, at the end of the day, is still a story about a black, it's a black coming of age story, mm. too. And I think that's uh, just as vital for people to see as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think that th- that is really a, a really good um, African-American centric coming of age film for kids to see. Is really impactful and important. So yeah. um, I think it's great. So, you know. And it's, it's funny, man. It's yeah, a it's, funny it's, movie. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. The Peter Porker stuff, the Spider Man. Um, the fact that that character is a, a spider that was bitten by a radioactive pig yeah. uh, that he says in the movie. Um, and, uh, and by the way, I, I love the film. It's really only the second best Spider Man adaptation to me, though, me behind too. the PS4. I'm with you. Uh, well, I was talking oh. about just for this year. Oh, I was talking about Spider-Man 2. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man 2 is my, my number one as that's well. That's my number one, yeah. That's never going to move. Uh, but 
the Spider-Man PS4 game though. Yeah. Now, that's that's the shit. Now, right. That's the shit. That's that's number one for me. Um, let's go to my number three because mm. that was your number three. That was my number three. Yeah. That was my number four. My number three. Speaking of comic book movies, man, I'll put it at number three. Could have been my number two. Could have been my number one. Avengers Infinity well, oh, War man. is my number three movie oh, of the year. Now, Speaking of, of, of comic book movies, <laughs> I said on Twitter it's the it's one of the best pure comic book movies I've ever seen. It's a culmination of of fandom, and and I get it. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, oh, if you're not a fan, you won't, I don't care. I'm a fan. This is my top ten, homie. <laughs> yeah. So I'm putting it at number three because I feel like it's the it's the perfect season finale. It's it's a culmination of all these MCU movies and the Russo brothers taking all these characters and the 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 difficulty of balancing all these personalities and characters and story arcs and movies and responsibilities that you have towards the characters and to represent them in a certain way that audiences already have a connection to. And the fact that the Rooster Brothers accomplished that and so much more by giving us a story, by giving us already iconic fandom with Thanos, that Thanos broke into the mainstream in a way that I haven't seen a villain do since probably the Dark Knight, the Joker, was the last time that we've seen so many Thanos. Like Thanos has become like a meme within himself because of how big he got. But to me, what makes this movie work so well is the fact that it has so many different storylines and all of them have a, a, a conclusion, have a connection, and and it feels like a perfect season finale where where it builds something up, it teases something at the end, and then it leaves you hanging and leaving you for more. Infinity War is a true spectacle film. It's a true fun film. And if you're an MCU fan like I am, it's a fantastic, one of the best movies of the year. Infen- Avengers Infinity War. Mr. RB3. <laughs> um, I don't really know what to say here, man. Come on, man. Uh, <laughs> I disagree. You got to get mean? off that hate train, bro. I'm not hating, You got to jump off that hate train. You know what's funny? I, I'm going uh, to Spider-Man your web, and I'm going to stop that hate train. Uh, no. I'm going to jump in front of it. <laughs> no, no, please no. Um, I actually, so I, before, I never really listened to our shows back. Uh, mm. I never really do that. Uh, but I did, the one time I did was listening to our Avengers All the way. or yeah, back. I haven't. Um, I haven't done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will say it. I I was being harsh, but yeah. I think also I 100% agree with what I said back then. <laughs> my same exact criticisms that I have now with this with the movie. It's just in the fact that like it's not it it is it's it's not conventional cinema. It's just not. You know, it's not. I don't like think a, it's ever meant to be though. Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't I think just, it was ever meant to. I just want to. I just want a conventional movie. That's all, Ace. Yeah, uh, man, but that's <laughs> not what it is. The MCU has passed that like ten years ago. Not really though, because I feel like there's right, other five movies. years ago. Well, I know. I just I even, Avengers 2012. No, even even Black Panther is a totally standalone movie. You know what I mean? Like sure. it's still just a standalone again piece. piece uh, but piece. Avengers isn't. Avengers uh, Age of Ultron isn't either. Uh, no, I say Avengers. Avengers Civil War. But, I mean, no, Civil War isn't either. Civil War. So you don't think Civil War is a conventional movie? Like in terms of like a conventional structure, no, beginning, middle, end. I, I think end? it's a conventional movie, but I think you miss a lot if you haven't seen any of the MCU movies before. Yeah, but you're you gonna be scratching also, your head and you're gonna be like, "What's going on? Yeah, I don't know what's going on?" But then there's it's the also, same thing. But there's what well, I'm saying in a conventional movie, not just like context for the movie, but sure. character development. You know, like there's an actual full arc to every single one of these movies. There's a full arc. And the story is a full arc in character. This movie 
doesn't have any of that, you know. So I think it, um, I think I think that's where we disagree because I think it does. I think it does have character arc, and I think it does have specifically with Thor, specifically with Iron Man. Those are the two characters that have an arc in the movie. I mean, it's an arc, but it's not the arc. You know, like it's not like an ending. Talk about Noah's Ark, man. <laughs> but no, I mean, there's not, an, there's not, a, there's not a resolution. There's not a fully. And what we do get of a rev, of, of somewhat of a resolution is like for for Thor's for for me at least with Thor's storyline, it's like yeah, we see him, we see we see almost like a regressive storyline of him. Before his whole thing was like you're Thor, you, you could be Thor without the hammer, and now he's like, oh, I need a bigger weapon. So it's like he regresses a little bit, but then when he, even when he does ultimately end up getting what he needs to restore his, you know, his 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 ego, get his pride back, um, it ultimately just ends up falling flat anyway. So well, I mean, that's 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 a lot of movies, man. You can name a lot of movies that that characters have an arc and they end up falling flat. Yeah, that's life, man. Life but sometimes that, you fall flat. That's true. I mean, that's very true. But also, it's like. There wasn't enough else there developed around this character for me to like really. I think there get, was. That's you know, just me. I mean, that's just. With I mean, that's Thor. just me too. With Thor, and well, with, with Iron the, Man. I'll say with Thor. I mean, Thor definitely had the most. Yeah. You know. Um. But even with Iron Man, I didn't feel like it went anywhere. With I think with, I just for me it's like okay like I I and I don't want to hate on this movie anymore because I actually think it's a pretty good movie now. Um. I, but it's not in your top ten. It's not my top ten. No, mm. it's not a top ten movie. Uh. But in terms of like superhero movies, this is my number three. Um. Of the year, um, so I, I think that, uh, but I just I just think ho- holistically speaking, at least like sure, it, like all of the all of the the three separate story arcs had a similar structure and a similar dramatic question, like oh we have to it's like oh you have to kill something you love or somebody that you love sure. oh I don't want to do it oh I'm gonna do it anyway oh it doesn't matter because Thanos is gonna go back and reverse it you know for me at least seeing that three times got got a little tiresome for me sure but. You know, I digress. Like that's yeah, fine. it's not it's not a conventional piece of sin. But I will I will I will applaud it for being as unconventional as it is and still being a cohesive movie. Because this could have easily been a, a bad it could have been a yeah. really bad movie. Yeah. Um and they did for this story, they did the best version of this story they could have done. Yeah. Um and I appreciate that. I like it. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I think it's am, I think it's amazing. And I, I really do feel like it's it's the perfect Again, season finale, culmination, whatever. I'm a big TV fan, and I and I love stories where you feel like, oh no, like I said about Supernatural on our episode. I talked about Supernatural. Game of Thrones has a lot of these moments where you feel like, oh no, all hope is lost. Everyone's dead. Yeah, and it, and it happened. Everyone dies. Um, that's Game of Thrones for you, and and I love it because it, it leaves you like, yo, I feel connected to these characters, and that's that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest thing that Hollywood misses the most when it comes to building characters is characters that. The MCU has done this. They've 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 made a television out of movies by by connecting you to characters and character moments throughout different films. And I think that's so fascinating. And that's the number one thing that anime does with an anime, an anime series. And that's why, in my opinion, that's why a lot of Hollywood movies can't get anime right, is because it's not necessarily about the cool world. It's about the connection you have to these characters and building more and more deeper relationships with the audience. And that's what this movie did. It, it, it builds it up all the way from the beginning all the way towards the end. And I love this movie. Yeah. Uh, what is your number two movie of the year? My number two, uh, we have exited the League of Superhero Movies because yep. I had two superhero that movies. That concludes it. Uh, yeah, I had two in a row. You had two in a row as well. I had well. two in a row. Uh, wow, you liked Infinity War more than Black Panther I and did. Spider-Verse? I did. I did. Okay. All right, fair I enough. Did, I don't want to disrespect your list. Yeah. Uh, for me... Uh, 
this this is the end of the superhero segment for me, but it's not the end of the black segment for me oh. because uh, this is another uh, black-led, black-directed really? film that I'm putting number two. Uh, as my number two, and that is Widows. That's right, Widows. Widows! Directed by Steve McQueen. What? Uh, starring uh, Viola Davis, Liam Neeson. Uh, yeah. It's, I'm shocked. Yeah, no, Widows Color me shocked, Widows, man. Widows is... Widows is uh, I thought you were going to say another movie. Nah, man, Widows is there, man. And, you know... Widows, Widows to me, see, it's almost the flip for me of, of the Avengers thing, right? Like, for me, like, I almost, like, I almost prefer if a movie's going to be conventional in its story, but in its execution, it goes, you know, it goes balls to the wall, you know? Sure. Um, for me, that's this movie. This movie is a pretty pain-by-numbers heist movie, to say the least. Mm. Um, but the execution of it, the, the, the style that Steve McQueen b- brings to this. The performances that he brings out of it, the, the character work that's done with each one of these characters, um, and and um, the acting. I mean, I just I really can't stop thinking about um, what, what's the homie's name, Brian Tyler Henry. Brian Tyree Henry. Bri- Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, amazing. Daniel Kaluuya. Daniel Kaluuya. He's the best part of the movie. Uh, every, everybody in this movie, uh, and the way that it addresses all these different social issues, and a kind of a sneaky way. I mean, it talks a, a little bit about police brutality. It talks a lot about sex work. It talks a lot about all of these different like politics, really, politics, left leaning oh, oh, politics, definitely politics, hundred percent. The corruption of politics. How the the Colin Farrell character is a politician who is he a to, Democrat too? I mean, yeah, he 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 wants to represent. He 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 claims to be you know he 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 puts out a political front that he's for the people and he's mm-hmm. all that. But behind closed door, he's like the most racist fucking person you're ever gonna meet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he had and then but his he hosts this whole program for like minority women workers. Like what yeah. what's happening here? It's all about that facade, that political facade that people put on. Um, and I think all of that, and even even with the Brian Tyler Henry character, he's a politi- he's a political figure who uh, is running, uh, but he's also the, running this whole criminal organization shit too. And that's really the honestly probably the reality for a lot of these uh, politicians too, uh, at least on the local level, and even on the national level too. So it's all of that. It's, it, it encompasses so much. Uh, and like I said, it, this is all all these movies that are on this list are all relevant to sure. what's happening today. And Widows definitely had some some really strong relevance. Widows is interesting, man. I mean, I talked to another homie over the weekend who had Widows at like number three. Mm. And I was like, really? I said the same thing to, to him that I'm saying to you, because mm. I don't know. I, I really do feel like it, it did touch on all those topics. I, mm. I just don't think it balanced it well. I, I feel like it kind of went, whoa, and it kind of just fell over with all these plates in their hand. Um I don't know. It just didn't work for me. A lot of the storylines didn't work. Colin Farrell storyline didn't work for me. The Liam Neeson twist. I was like, eh, it's oh, fine. Thanks for spoiling it, Ace. People um, know it's a twist now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just said Liam Neeson twist. Yeah. Everyone knows he's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, I don't know. I just felt like that was kind of whatever. The ending of what, what concluded with Viola Davis. Uh, and her character was whatever. To me, what stood out was just Daniel Kaluuya being a badass in this movie and just chewing up the scenery in every scene. The scene where, where the camera's rotated and he's asking mm. him to rap more, yeah. that was the best part of the movie. Yeah, I was well, like, that's sick. That's well, sick. When it's rotating, it's rotating, and he's getting more and more intense as he's rapping harder and harder. I was like, no, that's sick. That's a, that's a dope scene. 
Well, even well, even the scene when um, when Colin Farrell's driving back from his like speech. Oh, or whatever, that's a great with, with the like cameras the, on the car. On the car, yeah, 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 amazing. There's a lot of see. That's what like for me is like I don't. For me, it's like yeah, all, all you're saying is it is a little sloppy. It does yeah. have a lot of like loose threads. Also, the time jumps don't work for me at all. Those time jumps that they didn't mean? throw you off. What do you mean? The the the, the, the two thousand eight, and then it jumps back to the son time. When his son was around, and then he jumps uh, back to the. No, I, I got was, that. Oh, I, 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 I didn't like it at all. I was like, "What's going on? Why so um, many time jumps?" Now, I yeah, for oh, for me, I thought that that stuff worked really well. For me, mm-hmm. like, what what where it lacks in in content and in, and in, and 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 where it lacks in content and in story, it more than makes for up for in form and style mm-hmm. and direction. Wow. Uh, so all of that stuff for me uh, makes That's crazy. Makes number two, Widows. Number two. Shout out to Steve McQueen, man. Yeah, Steve McQueen, He's my guy. He's still a great director. Yes, sir. Um, oh, yeah, it's my turn. My yeah. number two. I was going to ask you what your number one is. but Yeah, go for your number two, bro. My number two is a movie that you already mentioned, man. And uh-huh. I put it in my number two because I love this movie. I, I sat in the theater and I really didn't know what to expect coming from this director. Um, and I was like, ah, it, it'll probably be, I thought it was going to be over the top. I thought it was going to be so goofy. And I was like, oh, it's probably going to be all right. Um, and it wasn't. It was. It was. It was uh, the perfect balance between slight humor and slight over the top moments. But it's still a grounded story, and that is Black Klansman. Oh, okay. I put oh, it in number my number two, two man. Oh, okay. I love this movie. I That's really did come out of the theater feeling connected to the story, feeling, uh, feeling a connection towards John David Washington's character, mm-hmm. uh, Ron Stallworth. Uh, I, I love the goofy moments of this movie. I love the serious moments of this movie. I love how f- in your face this movie is because it's very in your face. And I forgot yeah. how in your face it was till I rewatched it. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as how it really is showing you the deep levels of racism that people have mm-hmm. and, and how the KKK has been an influence towards so many people that they don't even realize it has been. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with the whole political angle that this movie starts to tackle with David Duke, mm-hmm. and how the 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 political uh, Spike Lee is not shy about showing you how relevant this movie is and how relevant this story is about how yeah. so many different things about politics and about white identity and white representation and all this stuff that people start to say nowadays have been saying since back in the day and it's the same kkk ideology it's the same shit now and people are like no it's different it's not it's i swear it's not it's just it's just having pride in your white race and blah and it's like all this bullshit that that people are spewing out now is are are are, have been spewing out since way back in the day and i think that's the biggest connection that spike lee was trying to say in the movie and i felt it i was immediately taken in taken into it with the whole uh, David Duke trying to get into mainstream angle with the KKK being a hyper racist, hyper violent uh, organization. Um, the the connection that, that Adam Driver's character was going through and, and the, the, the undercover angle of going a little bit too deep and saying all these horrible, awful things that Adam Driver says in the movie and, 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 and the ending of Adam Driver uh, just cause, just because I rewatched this movie last mm-hmm. night, as I said before, and and when he has that connection towards David Duke, and David Duke says to him, "Hey, are you a non-Jew, proud white American?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "No, no, no. I want you to say it." And he, Adam Driver's eyes kind of shake a little bit, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh yeah," he feels that a little bit, where yeah. he's like, "Yo, this is this is some dark ass shit." Mm-hmm. Like the KKK is some dark ass shit. Mm-hmm. The whole movie, I really connected to. 
Um, I forget her name. I think she's great. The girl who plays um, uh, Ron Starworth's girlfriend. Yeah, I yeah. forget her name too. Patrice is the character's name. but There you go. Um, yeah. I think she's great. I think that whole connection that they have. I think the relationship worked because I was really kind of concerned with that. I was like, oh, really? The whole undercover cop falls in love. This was me during the movie. And I was like, no, oh, that worked. I felt completely original, unique. When they're talking about the black exploitation films, that scene yeah, really that, that's, did it those, for me. Those are scenes that I love. I was like, man, this is great, man. Yeah. Um, I love this movie, man. I think it has a lot to say, and I think it says it well, and I think it has that perfect balance between showing you some really dark stuff, but at the same time, because that scene when they're intercutting between Birth of a Nation and the story that mm-hmm. the guy's telling, mm-hmm. um, that's one of the most powerful scenes this whole year. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. Uh and it's very relevant, like I said, very relevant, and uh, and particularly with the the birth of a nation thing. I mean, that's the yeah, movie that that we scene have is to, the, again one of the best scenes of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really tells it tells the true story of of the kid being hung out, you know, in the, in that town, and is so graphic and, and and everything too. And I think by comparing and contrasting how their how how their how. Black pride ideology is rooted in and legitimacy. How it's rooted in the actual oppression that Black people have faced over these over the over, over the years. How 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 uh, violence and and discrimination has plagued uh, the African American race, the Black race for so long. Um, comparing that to the the KKK ceremony where they're being inducted for literally, you know, uh, you know, and 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 for the this like fast hollow like. Christianity thing that they're doing, like throwing the water on them, and you know, acting like there's some sort of sanctity behind the Ku Klux Klan when it's really not, and it just goes to show like how evil and despicable that organization is, and what the the pro black people during that time was was kind of was trying to go for, and a lot of times people will criminalize you know like the Black Panther organization, Black Panther Party, and all these different uh, movements that are happening during that time, but it was, and they even say, and they even say that in the film, like the guy in the beginning. Uh, even though we were supposed to think that the white police chief guy is like the super progressive guy, in the beginning he's like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the Black Panthers are the most uh, terrible or the biggest threat to uh, American safety or whatever, uh, or biggest American threat, uh, which was an actual thing that was being pressed during that time. But as this movie highlights, the KKK is a much more deadly terroristic type of organization. And of course, you know, like I said, the historical accuracy throws off. The, the yeah. thing, but for me, but but that's where that's where that's where that is not that's where the benefits of not adhering adhering to historical accuracy is a benefit because it shows how terroristic the KKK really was. Even though that particular bomb didn't go off in that particular instance of the story, it is a very real and common thing for the KKK to do bombings mm-hmm. on houses, on schools, on cars. All that kind of stuff. So that's why in churches. So that's why. So that's why, you know. Even though I, 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 I kind of did a little bit of points for that. It's very powerful that that whole thing and that whole sequence, and it really adds to the stakes. To make it really personal. So. Yeah, and and I love how again I I feel like everything that Spike Lee and do is doing in this movie is very. It's not sh- it's not subtle. It's not shy. It's very much in your face as far as what he's trying to say as far as the relevancy of this story to now, how right. everything reflects back to 2018, 2018, 2018. Mm-hmm. Even the whole idea of Felix's wife being just as racist and as disgusting as he is. Mm-hmm. This idea of of the, the of the uh 
I don't know the word to use, but but the idea of like this the 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 progressive white wife who's just just wants what's right in life, and she's very pro she's progressive and she's nice and she's not racist at all. White women are just as racist too, man. I mean, the idea that that the the women are much more like peaceful and 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 less racist than the than the crazy white men who are very no. It's like no, the, the idea that white women are still responsible for a lot of atrocities too and a lot of ideologies that they possess are just as bad as their husband's ideologies and they believe the same shit too and they're just as racist and they're just as despicable and 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 they have to stop being so we have to stop being so like and you know putting our hand mittens when it comes to that you know and and i love how spike lee doesn't give a shit he's like no look she was committing the terrorist act and she's just as responsible as his husband is mm -hmm. I, I don't know to me that's very much on, on purpose and to me that's very yeah. important because I, I feel like a lot of people ignore that nowadays. Well, I mean, that, I mean, a little bit unrelated, but that, I mean, that brings me back to something I saw today where, uh, like, they, like, I guess it was MSNBC or one of those uh, news agencies. They're doing this whole story of, like, oh, look at this. The top, the top three heads of the top three companies in the military industrial complex are all women. Like, I'm like, wait, wait. Are you telling me that I'm supposed to think it's progressive that a woman is bombing kids in in in, in, in Yemen and shit like that? Like, am I really supposed to? Is that gonna make the difference for me? Like, what the fuck? That's the most non. Who can? Who, you know what I mean? So it's I know like what you that. mean. One hundred. Yeah. <laughs> There's this weird thing that the media has. I don't want to get into it. <laughs> uh, uh, that they, I don't know, man. I, I'll talk to you about it later. But I, I, Atlanta talks about it. Let's just say that <laughs> the idea of 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 white girls just being like the most. Never mind. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Um, either way, Black Klansman is my second favorite movie of the year. Yeah, and I was dope. I love it. I would have. There's so many great lines in this movie that. too. Like the the the. You're telling me that America is going to vote for a white racist man yeah. in the White Office? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. The America yeah. First is hysterical. Yeah, uh, I think the, I think the shit with the. Uh, I think there's some. There's actually some really funny lines when uh, they're talking about like oh like all the black famous people, which is a. Actually, a conversation that happens in almost every Spike Lee, not almost every Spike Lee movie, but it's a common conversation in every Spike Lee movie. You're like, oh, who's your favorite black athlete? Who's your favorite oh, black yeah. like, politician? And they're just like, OJ. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best part. You're yeah. right. He's like, you know who the real best is? Yeah. OJ. He's like, OJ. Yeah. And they're going crazy over it. Oh, I, I I don't know, man. I I, I think it's great, and mm -hmm. obviously my favorite is with the with the right white man, we can do anything. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the best line in the movie. Yeah, uh, it's a great movie, man. And mm -hmm. I love how, like you said before, it, it it shows both sides of of the of the of the police department too. Yeah. And it has a very realistic perspective as far as what um, the time period was. Yeah. Even Adam Driver's character, even even the other cop's character, I forget his name. Yeah. The guy who plays the goofy Jimmy, guy. Jimmy, I think. Um, yeah, the, yeah, who's the, the goofy guy who, yeah. it felt very real. It felt like, yeah, that's, that's the kind of guy I would see in, Adam Driver is the kind of guy I would see in a, in a, in a police detective mm. place, or whatever. Mm. It felt real. To yeah. Me. Uh, what is your number one movie of 2018, RB3? I'm uh, ready, I'm ready, because I don't know what it is. Well, number one movie, Ace. I'm is, ready to be is, shocked. Is a movie I just saw today. What? A movie I just saw. And it's your number one? I got to cry to number one, man. I watched this movie, and I was like, okay. Maybe this is the number one I've been what? waiting for this year, you know? What is it? Uh, it's the movie tick I'm holding right now. If uh -oh. Sheree could talk. Really? Ladies and gentlemen. That Barry is your Jenkins. number one. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I put it in my top ten. One. I love this movie. RB3. Yeah. Tell me about it. 
Um, Tell me I, why it's your number one. Um, I just think this movie overall is, for one, is unbelievably, unbelievably beautiful. Mm. Um, just from a cinema perspective, like mm. the way that the, the the cinematography, the light. There's there are moments in this movie that I was watching and I'm sitting and there's two people talking. And uh, at point, it, I just stopped realizing I wasn't hearing the actual words they were saying. I'm just looking at the images. I'm looking. I'm like, damn, like the lighting, the the composition, like it's so beautiful. It's like every the color, every the color, every single image out of this movie is like a, a expressionist painting or, or the, you know, some fine artwork that you'll see hanging up in like a, a Pan African museum. You know, uh, every single frame of this movie. So for me, it's like wow, like. Just from the 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 style, the form of it, from the very minimum is already like compelling. It's already the most engaging thing I've watched this year. But then we get to the story of it too, right? The story of you know, based on the James Baldwin, uh, you know, book. Um, this this movie feels like James Baldwin encompassed. You know, it has that very Black Americana Poetic. text. The po the poet the poeticism, the dialogue is very realistic, but very very uh, romantic as well. like, And I don't mean like romantic and like a love sense of romantic, but very colorful, very flowery, but also realistic at the same time. It it tuggles that very like fine line. You're right. The, the structure of the movie is wholly poetic. Like it, it has breaks. It has, you know, stoppages. It has those moments where they're addressing the social issue at hand. I love those. I love every single one of those scenes where they cut away and they're like, and they they explain some shit like they're like this police officer is racist and this this and this reason or this you know like the way the way the narrator explains those moments are yeah. just all beautiful. The editing in this movie beautiful. Uh, the 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 characters. I mean, I felt like I could realistically see every single one of these people. Mm. Uh, just everything about this movie was just absolute uh, perfection for me. Almost like yeah. I, I just I just I I really can't I really. I really think this is the number one movie of the year for me. That's great, man. I mean, I feel like a lot of attention is given to Regina King, mm -hmm. um, but I really feel like the two leads, man, they really drive this movie, especially yeah. her. I forget her name. Yeah, I, I'm um, not 100% sure on the actress. But she's name. great, the, the girl who plays the the pregnant... Um, mm -hmm. uh, the, the character's pregnant, name is Tish. Tish, the, the yeah. pregnant girl who 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 has um, her boyfriend mm -hmm. in jail, um, fiancé, whatever, whatever it is... Um, She's great, man. She's mm -hmm. a great name writer. You feel the connection. His storyline, too, I love, especially towards the end, you get a little bit more of Fani, mm -hmm. and you get a little bit more of a connection towards him and how he feels, his his idea towards life, his his uh, his conversation with Brian Tyree Henry's character mm -hmm. um, and how, how he feels and what, what his realization of this world is in this time period in this country um, is so fascinating. It's so interesting. Yeah. Um, but I got to talk about... One of my favorite parts of this movie that I didn't talk about on, on when I talked about it is is all the freaking and I know it's I guess no, it's not really spoilers kind of spoilers all the cameos in this movie man <laughs> all them Latinos popping out <laughs> uh, <laughs> like out of nowhere when Fani is like yo Pedrito my homie my brother and he starts Dude, speaking Spanish who's, who's and it's uh, Diego Luna oh really I like Diego Luna, Luna comes oh, out and I'm like that. yo that's Diego Luna and uh, he's like what's up homie and he starts dancing with him and stuff yeah. and I'm like that's cool yeah and then when uh. 
when freaking Regina King goes to Puerto is like, Rico. No, when he, she goes to the to the neighborhood, the Puerto Rican neighborhood, and she needs well, to. She meet goes to Puerto Rico. She does, but I'm yeah. saying like before that. Oh, okay. And then homie comes out and he's smoking a cigarette, and she's like, he's like, "What you need?" And it pans, and it's like freaking Pedro Pascal, man. Yeah, yeah, Oprah I got that Martel. one. I got that one. Uh, all the cameos in this Dave, movie. Dave Franco. Dave Franco, <laughs> out of nowhere. He's like, you just see a freaking yarmulke. Then he turns around and he's like, hey guys, what's up? And it's like, yeah! All the cameos in this movie were like an Adam Sandler movie type cameos. Yeah. They were just so funny and so fun to see. And I feel like Barry Jenkins had fun doing that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I it, loved it. You know, it's nice that they, that wasn't in the marketing because... If you put that in a trailer, people are going to be disappointed because it's literally all those characters are just there for one scene. Yeah, but, and it's um, it's perfect in the movie. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah. I loved all the the, the freaking Diego Luna, uh, Pedro Pascal. I yeah. love Dave Franco. Like all the cameos were cool, man. Well, I, I love the shru- the structure of this movie because it's not like it's it's not like a fully linear structure. It's more episodic. You mm. know, it's like we're going to spend this this twenty minutes with this storyline, and we're going to spend this twenty minutes. With this storyline, the twenty minutes with this, you know what I mean, like, yeah. and then in between they have those like, like I said, those breaks that like where the narrator's like saying stuff that the words that she's saying is so beautiful, the voice that she's saying it in is so beautiful, and then the visuals on screen are just like yeah. topping it all off. So for me, like this, I mean, of course it's like an art film, it is a lot of a, it is very much an art film, but it's also equally as much as a as a commercially viable I feel like this movie could really take off it if it had the right kind of like push and and, and everything too and 100 you like know what this, I, 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 I was gonna say this in my tweet mm-hmm. Annapurna should be putting more push behind this movie man yeah they, they should be pushing this one more than Vice in my opinion yeah, yeah. I no, like this 100%. one more than Vice. I was yeah. like, yo, why isn't Anna Perna talking about if Bill Street could talk more than because Vice for me is like they're I feel like they're putting all their money behind Vice, whereas like they should be putting more money behind if Bill Street, man, because yeah. this one is great. Right. I think it's the best Anna Perna movie of the year for sure. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah uh I mean I heard some maybe not some great things about Megan Ellison, but you know, I don't know if that those things are true. Oh, between her, her uh she's the one over Anna She's Anna the one right? over Anna Perna, yeah. yeah. Or she's been slacking a little bit lately. But yeah. I don't know if those are true at Megan. Ellison, if you're listening to this, don't 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 take that. I don't think she is. Yeah, <laughs> Megan Ellison, I love I love Bill Street, so don't 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 get insulted. By yeah. the way, Brad Pitt is uh, the Plan B. Plan B was yeah. also one of the things on this too. But I also did Moonlight. So yeah, uh, Barry Jenkins. I feel like I, I almost like this one more than Moonlight. Honestly, uh, I I definitely like this one more than Moonlight. But yeah. that's because I didn't really care for Moonlight. I thought it was yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, I, I love. I really do love this movie. But damn, man, number one, that's crazy. It, yeah, it really man. is. I mean, the score killed me. The score. I told you I last mean, yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah. That score. I, as soon as it started, I was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what this reminded me of too, man. And I, I, I'm gonna. Oh my god. I'm gonna sound like a broken record, RB3. Mm-hmm. But it really felt like. Um, Oh man, you're gonna kill me! It really felt like an anime movie, like an mm. anime romantic movie with the narrator, uh, with the storyline, with the music being in the background, with the shots, with the colors. Um, it really felt like this was like a Your Name type movie, where I mean, obviously Your Name has a little bit of a different sci-fi angle towards it, um, uh, and a little bit more comedy. But it felt like those those uh, quiet moments where the score is hitting, mm. and you just have a shot on her and a shot on him. Mm. And then a shot on her, and then a shot, on, and, and it just stays like that for like a good two to three minutes. Yeah, um, that felt very animated to me. the The narrator felt very animated to me. Just the whole thing felt like a romantic anime movie uh, that is very much uh, 
presenting a story to you in a very colorful type of way, in a, in a very, like you said, romantic type of way with the colors, with the music, with the story, with the setting. Everything felt very purposeful. Yeah. I don't know. And to me, I love it, too, because, um, of course, like I've, I've studied African-American literature mm. and stuff and read a lot of James Baldwin's books, uh, you know, throughout my freshman and sophomore years of college. And uh, this feels I mean, I haven't read the particular book that this is based on. But this feels like a James Baldwin adaptation and the jazziness of it, the, the jazziness of the music, but also the tone, the poeticism. It all feels just like something right out of uh, a James. Like I'm reading James Baldwin and, and, and this is the visual representation of it. Um, and I almost feel like, man, I almost wish like if there is any way that Barry Jenkins could du- direct all, all <laughs> James Baldwin adaptations from now on, please do. I, I really hope that yeah. could, we can work some sort of deal out here. Uh but yeah, no, one hundred percent. And uh, and uh, one last thing about this movie, I think that the whole message that it has about—well, not message, but it shows you the downsides of incarceration and the effects that incarceration has on families and how that and how and how and how the prison system has been systematically rigged against black people for so long. Um, cool. Let's end with my number one number movie one. of the year. Uh, <laughs> you already know what it is. I've been saying this for the, since I saw the movie. Um, over the past few years since I've been doing this top 10 list, I always pick the movie. My number one movie is always a movie that um, pushes me emotionally, that grabs me and shakes me more than any other movie. And this is the movie that did that, that, did that this year. And that is Hereditary. Oh, Hereditary is wow. my number one movie of the year. Yeah. It is a movie that shook me the most. It is a movie that disturbed me the most. It horrified me. It killed me. It hurt me. Uh, and if that was the point of the movie, then my God, did it accomplish it. <laughs> this movie is uh, incredibly directed by Ari Aster. Um, it's powerful. It's mysterious. Um, as I said before, it's horrifying in a sense, not necessarily of imagery, of scary imagery. There is a little bit of scary imagery in this movie, but not as much as other horror movies. It's horrifying in the sense, like you said, in a much more psychological sense, mm-hmm. in a much more familial sense, because I think the family angle is something that a lot of movies have done in the past, mm-hmm. but, but but the fact that it, it just amplifies everything times 10 by making it 10 times more personal, 10 times more in your face, 10 times more horrifying when you think about a, a son, a daughter, a child, a mother, those relationships that people hold so dear to their hearts and that everyone essentially has to have a connection towards, that's what is tackled in this movie and it's done so well because it pushes the envelope of what those relationships can be and how horrifying they can be. Yeah. Um, it's Obviously, it's a horror movie and it has that connection towards the movie. I, I really do think from start to finish, this movie is perfect. It, 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 it's beautifully shot. The score is already freaking you out and nothing has happened yet. The no, atmosphere scores, scores dope. Scores dope. The atmosphere is built up so well and it builds up in a sense where you're on the edge of your seat and nothing is happening. Like I was talking to my friend about it where they're they're having a conversation in the car or, or they're they're talking in um in, in the kitchen table, nothing is happening and you're freaking the freak out because you're like, what's going to happen? Because you don't know what's going to happen because everything is shrouded in mystery. And the way that Ari Aster unveils that mystery is so well done. The conclusion is a climactic, is the perfect climactic finish of this horrifying story, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And the way it reveals information to you 
is so well done. This theater experience for me was insane. I was on the edge of my seat. I was freaking out. I was almost at the point of screaming at the theater, at the screen, uh, because I, I, once again, I've three, I've told you a million times and I've said it on this podcast. I've said it in other things. Don't mess with demons, bro. Mm. <laughs> demons are the one thing where you're like, nah, man, I, I don't want to mess with that shit. Uh, and sure enough, they mess with that shit in this movie. And, and it does so in a way that feels so realistic, so grounded uh, that you feel like it, it could actually happen to you in a sense. Um, this movie is, is, is a true, beautiful movie. And it destroyed me and horrified me more than any other movie. And that's why it's my number one movie of the year. Hey, man. Can you disagree with that? Yeah, man. I mean, you recently saw it. So you yeah. can finally you know sit inside the pain that i've been feeling for months now yeah 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 i mean you know horror movies are a little tough because even even with hereditary i wasn't like it was not like the traditional like scare scare you it know what i mean no. like yeah uh so but i think that movie did a really good job of unnerving you in a, in a completely different yeah. way so uh yeah and even uh much respect to the dude uh alex wolf right Yes, uh, who's so good in that movie, man? Yeah, for obviously his... Tony Collette's getting a lot of attention, deservedly oh, yeah, so. Tony Collette, yeah, obviously. But too, him, yeah. he is but he, so he, good. Yeah, he was like quietly good. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. No. The the scene. I mean, obviously. I, I mean, I'm not. I don't want to spoil anything. But where there's a lot of moments in this movie. But there's a yeah. moment when. Dude, when he starts breaking down, mm. I'm like, oh my God, yes. Mm. <laughs> that's exactly how I would break down, man. Because that felt so, that's the thing. I, I was talking to my brother about it. It feels so realistic. Like people's reaction in this movie feel like how they would actually react. Yeah. Uh, Tony Collette's reaction to tragedy, let's just say that, mm. in this movie mm. murdered me. Mm. It killed me. I don't know about you, but yeah. it, it made me feel like, oh, yeah. like, oh my God, it, my, my like stomach was sinking. Uh, when Alex Wolf was freaking bawling his eyes out, and he's like, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, well, even <laughs> me too, man. I, I'm gonna cry too, and I'm watching this movie. Well, even even in that moment that you're talking about with her, she has that moment, and the camera pans over, and yeah. it goes to him, and it goes to him, and he almost has like an equally tragic. Oh, way. dude, <laughs> it's kind of so look, you know? it's such a oh man, it, yeah. it, it's 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 about like. When you realize that the, the the demons you're facing in life are actual demons that you're facing in home, mm. I mean, that's so deep on so many levels. The fact that uh, uh, relationships you have with your children are now becoming relationships you have with your enemy, ah, that's so deep too. I mean, mm. speaking of Alex Wolf and Tony Collette uh, mm. towards the end of the movie, because you feel like they're going back and forth and you're like, Oh, this is just, it feel, makes you feel awful inside because you feel both sides. Mm -hmm. You feel Alex Wolf and you feel Tony Collette. It, mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know, man. It, it's one of the most powerful movies I've seen in a while. And once again, every year I pick movies that are like horror movies. I'm not a big horror movie guy. I mean, I picked Get Out last year. Uh, Nocturnal Animals was one of my favorites of that year of 2016. It was my favorite movie. That's another horrifying movie. Uh, Prisoners, Nightcrawler, like all these movies that I pick are movies that make me feel like shit. Mm. But that's essentially what the director's going for. And man, did he nail it. Yeah. I think he killed it. And I, I think he should be getting a lot more attention. This movie killed me. Yeah. Killed me. Um, either way, guys, finally, we conclude our top 10 movies of 2018. Yeah. Let us know in the comments down below what is your list, what I is do, your favorite. I do want to point out a quick observation. Your your list you had number two, you had number five as Green Book and number four as Spider Verse, both movies with Mahershala Ali. Both in movies with Mahershala Ali. Uh, that's right. My my list, funny enough, has number one uh, number one Bell Street, number two 
uh, Widows in number three. Brian Tyree Henry. Uh, yeah, Brian Tyree Henry. Brian Tyree Henry is Spider Verse too, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So funny, funny connection. Yeah, man. Hey, yeah. He's, he's a guy a good year, man. Yeah, I'm sorry for having black five black movies why on my list. Why you gotta apologize? Um, well, I know the fucking. White I had people a, I, I had a few. Having... I had a Green Book, Blind Spotted, Feel Street Could Talk, Creed yeah. Two. Black Clansman, yeah, Spider Man, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just the movies that. It's that, just good those movies, are movies, man. That we, that yeah, it we doesn't love. matter. Uh, five black directors. Well, I can believe it. A, f- a full, a full top ten list with five black directors. Yeah, you can really make a top. 10 I had list a Latino just, director in there too, man. You had a Latino director. I yeah. had Lynn Ramsey, woman director. Uh, there you go. Yeah, there's. I mean, hey, good times for representation. There you go, yeah. man. Either way, guys, let us know in the comments down below what is your top ten list. Hopefully, you enjoyed ours. What do you think of our list? Uh, what is your favorite of, out of our list? What is your personal favorite of the year let us know all that in the comments down below please support first cut it's yes. new beginnings new times hashtag support the homies support the homies let's spread it throughout the internets yeah. throughout film twitter we are here film twitter and we're here to stay Film twitter uh for the meaning of podcast ima this is rb3 and we are peacing out peace out guys